going to be a thug? We are recording. Cool. cool. We're right. live and direct. Welcome to Driving While Awesome podcast number... I am Lane. I'm Art. I'm Brendan. I'm Evan. And I'm Matt. Whoa, is that... Hushi Pushi. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's like, my yeah, I'm actually Hushi Pushi. No, it's actually Hushi Pushi. Thanks. The but. famous Hushi Pushi. Yeah, that's right. Finally on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit talker galore. <laughs> galore. Uh, <laughs> so we're all yep. here. We just went to Canepa Cars and Coffee. Um, Brandon drove his new Chevy. Well, we're here, but... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. We're yeah. not all here. Yeah, Brian and, War- and Warren, what are they... Um, They're on special assignment. Somewhere in the desert doing things that are dangerous. Yeah, I think Brian's up in Truckee or something, or no, Reno, and his phone broke, so I don't think anyone can get a hold of him, and Warren is doing something somewhere. I was actually looking forward to Matt and Warren teasing about BMWs. I was like, just seeing that unfold on Instagram, oh, like, oh my I know, god, you're huh? such a shit starter. I'm so, yeah. I'm so bummed that Warren's not here today. Like, I, I know. I wanted to get into it with him, but the I, question, I love you, Warren. Since since Warren thinks nothing should be modified ever, it's so insightful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so like just digging. Like Warren just shakes his head. Love it. So yeah, we we just got back from uh, Canepa's uh, Canepa Cars. And oh yeah. So uh, Art, you yeah. drove your M5, drove and the M5 uh, so does that mean I saw you post on Instagram last night that you were like uh, tearing apart the Guibo and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I put I said this weekend, so it's actually happened, <laughs> not yet. Uh, supposed to happen tomorrow. So um, borrowing a buddy's lift, and I'm gonna tackle that project. So we'll see what happens. Um, it, it's pretty straightforward. Um, everyone tells me the same thing though. Good luck separating the drive shaft because it's like basically fused in the middle with this like, mm-hmm. gigantic bolt, and I say fused because that's what happens over time. Um, and it's, so can you just use like a like some kind of puller, like a spreader kind of thing? No, it's it's uh, so it's actually yeah, I guess so yeah. So there, the, but the thing is that if you look at it, you, you don't have a way to really access it to like mm. really do a puller thing, but um, you do use a uh, like a pulley puller. Or you know a steering wheel puller for the actual ser- center bearing or what is it called the center support bearing because mm-hmm. that's on there so that okay you, you pull off. but there's like a bolt weird access look it up online you'll see what I mean oh, that'll, that'll be fun <laughs> I think we can tackle that when yeah there tomorrow so luckily there's gonna be a nice you use like a there. pry bar or something yeah so like hit yeah. it in there and kind of wedge it that's the way yeah so basically you throw it onto a vice and then just just wrench on it with a pipe if you can and a lot of PB blaster and stuff so we'll see what's up. Sounds like fun. How's the, how long is that job supposed to take? Uh, supposedly four hours is the average. I've seen three and I've seen six out there, so we'll see how it goes. Yikes. Mm. Sounds like really a lot of fun. Yeah, I did yeah. the center sport bearing on an E30 back in college on a concrete slab driveway, and it was 40 degrees out, and it turned into a seven-hour job. Nice. And when we were all done, my friend's like, do we preload the bearing? I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I don't care. Yeah, uh, yeah. We preloaded it. I hope it worked out. And it turns out he drove that E30 for three more years with a, I guess, correctly preloaded center support bearing. Yeah. But his center support bearing actually departed the car completely. Oh, so nice. we were driving the car, and he comes up a stoplight, just bam, 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 underneath the, the trans tunnel. But then it would kind of shimmy itself out past 10, 15 miles an hour. So I climb into the car. I'm like, you're missing a whole entire bearing under here, buddy. He's like, oh, nice. I saw something fly off the car on the freeway. I'm like, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I think that happened to my friend's E28, too. I remember it was just like making all this crazy noise, and it was the same kind of thing. Yep. Or the Guibo goes bad or something. Yeah, both of them. Usually, yeah, and that's, I got both. The Guibo's actually okay looking. So um, the Guibo is just like a dampener, right? Yeah. It acts as a dampener. It's just rubber, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically, uh, off the the output shaft of the transmission, uh you have this little rubber donut that hugs the drive shaft. 
And so it helps with elasticity in the drivetrain, some transient vibrations and stuff like yeah. that. So you'll notice that, that thing will go bad, and the car will kind of vibrate off of a stop, but then it stops at uh-huh. five miles an hour. The center support bearing, when it goes bad, it's just, it could be anywhere. It can have vibration yeah. problems. That's like a 944. The stock 944 has a rubber clutch center, clutch okay. disc center. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. It's just stopping. It's, you know, less the vibration, the dampening. No. So rather than having, like, springs like a normal clutch would have it has this rubber center and the rubber will like tear out yep and then it'll just be this like clunk clunk you know when you're taking off and stuff so what's really weird if you've ever driven a lotus salon it actually has what looks like guibos on the output shaft of the diff oh right. oh yeah Yeah. that's right yeah and so it's really weird because you'll lift and the whole car like springs forward and kind of rubber bands then you add power into rubber bands the other direction it takes a long time to get used to driving a lawn correctly a lot of guys get sick of that so they'll they'll pull it off and do cvs just because it's a lot more direct experience yeah, it seems like a better situ- like scenario, especially you like put more power in it, right? Elon's having like 105 horsepower. Well, I know, but what if you're up in the power <laughs> and doing like kind of a race car kind of thing? Wouldn't yeah, I'd imagine. Be- well, actually, if you look at a lot of the, uh, what are they, the 27Rs, like the little like race spec ones, right. they'll still run the guibos on the, uh, on the output shaft, so. Interesting. Probably to save the drivetrain from like maybe damping vibration as well. Could be. The Brits do a lot of weird stuff. A lot of yeah. weird stuff. Lightweight. They're more serviceable, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, so the car drove it down. So no project updates. Uh, no project updates. Did you put your ZHP shift knob on? I put the ZHP shift knob on it, and it's just way better. Can't it. believe you put that yeah. thing on your car. I know. Basically, <laughs> it's worth like that car is worth like five grand now. Yeah, nobody well, wants that now. But the cool thing is that I actually got a glass case for the handmade shift knob <laughs> that came off of it. Hand honed. Hand hand hewn out of a uh, plastic from <laughs> yeah, Bavaria. The, like brittle plastic that um that like gets loose over time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it it it, it shifts way better and the shift knob is like because it's shorter it's like more ergonomically designed i guess like better and so yeah it's nice dude the like less shift effort is required it's like way more direct smaller throw because it's a little shorter Small, slightly shorter throw yeah and um yeah it feels way not way just more snicky more snick snicky huh? as opposed to just like this plasticky shit that requires like a ton of like you have to be really deliberate with the plastic knobs to actually get it into gear, which is super frustrating. So yeah, man, it was rad. I actually was pretty stoked on on like I got a lot of good feedback from people like about the car rather like just people were stoked to see it there. I didn't, you know, I parked next to well, I don't know, I think it was like an F430 or something Spider, and like there were more people around the M5 than the Spider, which is I guess not surprising considering it's a Spider. I mean, that's yeah. what I liked about that show the best is like. Here you are at the Lamborghini. It's a new one. No one cares. You know, here's yeah, like an that old Huracan revving. Uh, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Then a Jensen Healy will pull in, and everybody stops doing to watch a Healy pull in. And it'll park next to a 430. No one cares about the 430. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can, for sure. I, I didn't even see a 430. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, literally, I did not see a 430. <laughs> it was the guy. And next I'm sure year. there was one there. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also cool. Like the like four different people asked me to see the engine. Like one guy, I was closing the hood. I think you were there, right, Britton? Yeah. I was already closing. He's like, no, and I'm like, no, what? He's like, I want to see it too. And I'm like, damn it! So I had to like pop it back Ooh. open. So, but yeah, it's a pretty fucking motor. I mean, it's it's cool that people appreciated it. I I really had no idea if we were gonna be like, what the hell is this do- thing doing here? Or People are gonna dig it, so I guess oh, no one yeah. would say, "What the hell is this thing?" Doing? <laughs> exactly. Come on, that's reserved for the, the stock Corvettes and the, the Mark oh, R32 wait, the guy. Broad, different variation oh, of bras. Yeah. Dude, you see, you see yeah. those yeah. things up front? Oh, there's, 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 there's a stock Corvette across two spots. I'm like, come on, man, yeah, you're killing dude. me. Got to preserve those things. And I showed up at like what time? Did we get there, eight o'clock. 
Yeah. Like right around eight. And uh, all these dudes just washing, like basically washing their cars. You're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Whoa, concourse. With their hoods open and stuff. Yeah. These BMW dudes are like cleaning their engine bays. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> close that shit. Dude. Steam cleaning? Like, like <laughs> yeah. it's all on their mobile Z4. detail. On their yeah. shitty Z4s. Gosh. Well, it's like, I, don't, I have respect for the, the other cool cars that go in. They're like, I could have parked my SS in there. I got there early enough. But I was like, I'm not going to park my Malibu-looking Chevy in this lot. Like, yeah. I, I know, yeah. It, yeah. Across the street, in the dirt it goes. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. When I pulled up, there was like a, what was it? There was a line of like uh, an FRS, like stock. Like BRZ club. Show. Yeah, it was like a BRZ yeah, club. Yeah, there were a bunch of them, actually. Yeah. And then there's a... Um, a Cayenne or something going in, yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna park across the street." Yeah, over it, and then the guy's yelling at me. He's all parking in here, parking in here. <laughs> As I'm walking up, I'm like, "No, it's cool. I'm I'm good." And then I'm all, "Dude, they gave me shit one time." He's all, and he's the dude that takes pictures there. So he's like, "Yeah, I take a picture of your car oh, every time, whatever." So. uh Kind of glossed over that. There, you, you drive a Chevy Malibu now. What's yeah, up with that? Yeah, it's a, a rear-wheel drive, six-speed manual Malibu look-alike. So, about a year and a half ago. So Brendan, Brendan's been on the podcast before. Yep. He has a twenty-eight hundred CS BMW E nine, yep. which has been on our feed a few times. The tan yeah, one, tan yeah. coupe, um, very tan, super beige beige. And then he has a he had. Uh, what, 2015? Yeah, 2015 Golf GTI. Uh, GTI. With a lighting package. Lighting package. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a six-speed. No sunroof. I wanted a four-door, and they we didn't have a four-door six-speed manual base model with xenons, and I was like, I, I can't have halogens. I'm, I'm just such a whore for headlights. I don't know what it is. But it's a, when I got the GTI, I was driving about 20,000 miles commuting, and I was like, well, I really want an SS, but I don't want to spend fifty grand on one, nor do I want to put 20,000 miles a year on one. So now I'm driving 10,000 miles a year, and they just had this crazy fire sale for... Uh, 20% off? Dude, it was 20% off. Jeez. But I get, as an employee, to buy cars for invoice, less holdback, less advertising credits, less flooring credits. And since I financed it through my credit union, they pay 2% of the total loan back as a reserve to the dealer, so I put it less that. So I got a, I got a 50,000... 20% on top of that stuff? Yeah. So I got a $50,000 SS for like $34,000. Nice. And I was like, okay, at that point, I, I'm 100% in. So it's really weird to have grown up in the 80s and 90s, hated American cars, talk so much shit about American cars, own nothing but German cars, and then poof. Here I'm driving a gigantic... You're battle. that guy. <laughs> exactly. So it's basically an E39 M5, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah. Or, um, that's so, what I've read. So I've hey, owned- sorry, Matt. I <laughs> this is actually this is a perfect. Yeah, it's like you but say what you've heard, and then you have an owner describe. You saw it to the you, test so. of uh, Jason Camisa did. A, did you see that? Yep. The lap test where he tested both cars, and exactly. it was like they were within a second apart on the well, on the lap. Wow, to be really? fair, that M5 had a frozen shock. It did. Yeah. So I mean, I've driven plenty of M5s. I had a 546 speed M Sport. I had a 520. So I've, I've known I know E39s inside and out. Um, the E39, from a fun standpoint, is a little bit better driver's car, but for the day-to-day car, the SS is so much better. It's brand new with magnetic ride. Yeah, it's magnetic. Oh, my God, the it, ride is amazing in that car. Yeah, it rides better than an M5. It has better... An LS3 pulls from idle to redline. An S62 pulls from 3,000 to redline. Yeah. Um, but S62 is probably more fun of an engine? Um, I don't know. Hard to say, man. That V8 is Because, I mean, the LSs are... I mean, I've never driven yours, but I, LSs that I have driven, they're notoriously a little lazy. I mean, the, like the, torquey, you, they have a good torque band, but yeah. they're a little like they're not as rev happy yeah, or as like a BMW. Yeah, like you you can, no, they like just, they're just rev happy, slower, kind of like slower yeah. to rev. Yeah, okay. like like if you're going like you know thousand to six thousand RPM, it 
it even though the car might be as fast, it takes longer to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if you clutch in and rev the LS3, it doesn't have a snappy response the S62 had. Yeah. But the S62 and, like, the M62 is in my 540. It was a pretty lazy engine, too. I mean, it's not like Art's S38 where the thing is just, bang, it's at five grand. Um, the thing that's really annoying about S62-powered M5s they're a pain in the butt to drive smooth. I mean, getting them off a stoplight smooth is hard. Shifting to second gear is hard. Uh, the get track box loves to kind of have a slow shift in the second, but then the engine falls down the idle super quick. So it's really easy to drive that car and just kind of throw your passengers' heads around. And the SS is like a Miata. It's just, there's just such a great harmony between the engine and transmission. You can shift with your fingertips. You, by the time you're done completing the shift, the RPMs are the correct range. The car just, it's cake to jump in and drive quickly. Sweet. How's rev matching and stuff? Super easy. Nice. Yeah. So, so Matt, you drove it up uh, Pagewell, right? Or yeah, I did drive it up a, a, a local twisty uh, fun road. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It's actually the pedals are spaced well. Like the steering ratio is good. I mean, it has plenty of power. It sounds freaking fantastic. The ride is actually amazing. I mean, I've driven dozens of different cars on this twisty road and I always know like where the certain bumps are that mess up the car, the line you have to take or whatever. And I'm just like, all right, Brandon, here's a man one. Watch this. And it's just like, yeah. It's like, what the hell was that? Like, I expected the car to be thrown around or something, and it weighs like two tons, and it's just like, it soaks up bumps. Like, the only thing I can really compare it to is a McLaren, which has like that fully hydraulic suspension, so it's all, yeah. I mean, the McLaren feels like it's crawling over bumps. It's like an animal, but I mean, the SS is like that too. It just, bumps don't do anything. It's insane. That's so what amazing. you're saying is my SS is a McLaren. Perfect. <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's a McLaren sedan, it's yeah, the basically. Same, it's, it's the same color, right? Isn't it's it volcano orange? Yeah, it's yeah, a volcano exactly. orange and volcano red. Or the stickers. Badge of McLaren. He's got to do blacked out Holden badges yeah well, well, uh, no god no no, no, no. <laughs> Chevy all the way man you well, gotta hate that gold bow tie though it's right? pretty bad it's pretty it's oh, pretty, pretty awful bad. so like they need to they go back to the old Chevy emblem from back in the day or something like that well, maybe gold a little bow tie smaller just, just not as ostentatious it's just like, too much it's just huge on the front yeah. of it and it's funny because one of the guys from the car lounge was talking to him he's like you know don't take this the wrong way I really hate when people speak poorly to somebody else's car but they just need to shrink that badge down by like 50%. Yeah. And the badge that's on the trunk is a reasonable size, but the front is just like, I'm a Chevy. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're okay. proud. I get it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. but that's not something to brag about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little embarrassed about it. I'm not trying to brag yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly. And it's, but it's pretty like, um, low key car, right? Yeah. You look, I mean, you have a bright orangish color. But uh, and it has some chrome accents. Yeah, right? the chrome. They like their chrome. I, I might plasti dip the chrome. It's it's a little much. Um, so my yeah. five forty is an M Sport. So all the chrome that's usually on a five series is all shadow chrome black, and it looks so much better. Um, this thing is just a little. It, I mean, it looks like you just went to the airport and went to Hertz and they threw you the keys to your car. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh wow, Hertz got a weird loud colored rental car this time around. The seats look nice besides those little, like, um, fake little things. The chrome thing. Oh, those aluminum things. Yeah, what the yeah. hell is that? Chrome, yeah, chrome no, everywhere, yeah. yeah. Fake Jeez. chrome. It has these little, yeah, like almost like, like chrome dimples. For, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. But the seats know. are super comfy, man. And they, they look And nice, they're ventilated. Yeah. Keep thing, they're ventilated. Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, on a hot day, so good. Nice. Yeah, it's been a, been weird driving a Chevrolet and absolutely loving it. Like finding excuses to drive. Like, oh, I'm gonna go down and get coffee that I never do, except I can drive <laughs> this thing down there. So, what is it? Uh, four hundred. Uh, four fifteen. Four fifteen horse, yeah. six speed manual, yep. rear wheel drive. Yep. Four thousand pounds. Yeah, it's a, it's a big pig. How it's many torques? Bit. 
Uh, I think 415 torque. Oh, nice. Even. Cool. So it was, it was cool. funny. I was climbing Highway 17, which for anybody listening is not familiar with the roads, pretty twisty. And there's sections where all the drivers like freak out and slow down to like 30 miles an hour. So I'm coming through a left-hand turn at 30 miles an hour in sixth gear at like 700 RPM. Like, I'll just tilt the ball and see what happens. The car's like, blah, 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 blah. Let's just pass everybody. Wow. It's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. I mean, my 540 had a lot of torque, but nothing like that. The 540, you have to rev past three to really start feeling uh, any kind of get up and go. And this thing from any RPM, Matt was driving on a little one-lane road going eight miles an hour, climbing a hill in third gear. <laughs> on a steep hill going uphill in third gear. And I'm Just like, see what, yeah. yeah, like both of my cars need first gear to go that slow. Yeah, like, he's, like, he's like, my Porsche wouldn't even pull this fast away in first gear. <laughs> so, uh, dude, uh, so I have to, you know, uh, this will all act as our buddy uh, Sebastian's proxy. This is a guy who uh, we posted pictures of his car. He has an E63 AMG wagon, uh, and it's his, like, dad mobile. And so he told me that on the way over here, um, he was just cruising on 280 or something, and, like, a uh, freaking Hellcat pulls up on him, and he's like, you know, just cruising, you know, I think he's whatever fast lane, um, and this guy just like flies up on him, gets in front of him, and then just like kind of like starts to like sort of brake check him, and then just bolts it, just takes off, right, Hellcat, um, and he's like, okay, I'll play, guns it, catches up to him, passes him, goes around him in the center lane, gets in front of him, and pulls like two cars before he lets off. Um, turns out that he just like did a tune on it. He has a uh, Close to 800 foot pounds of torque and like 675 horsepower, dude. Oh, yeah. means, those things are so brutal. Like, I mean, even like, I think I, I mentioned this before, but I remember like one morning we we're like going to work and I was driving my 135i, Matt was in a 335i, and we took off on this on ramp, get on 280, and like, we, we I, I let off like at triple digit speeds and Matt kept Allegedly. going and um and so and an, I think it was it an E55 or E63 it was an like, E55 yeah. AMG was and just like, like yeah. so Matt's like coming full tilt at him just like still going through the gears this guy just like looks over accelerates and just like pulls away right yeah I was already accelerating and just like I, I came up on him he's like mm-hmm and blah, like I was like what the hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. those things are you can't mess around with those man those, they're big big burbly or that's supercharged V8 right on in yeah supercharged yeah. V12 yeah <clears throat> yeah they're, they're badass and it's a i mean a stunning car too like in every way right fit and finish aesthetically it's they're so rad i'm i'm, I'm happy for them i would totally rock that if i could right now but not happening well it's funny my, my uncles grew up they're big muscle car guys so they're all about you know detroit iron big v8s and whatnot so then my other uncle gets a little older he gets a bit more reserved he goes out and buys an e55 and his twin starts teasing him he's like he goes what is this you know random european car he's like well um it runs 12 three in the quarter and then my other uncle's just jaw drops. He goes, that's faster than Seedlip. Hmm, it's faster than your Pantera. It's faster than your Corvette. It's faster than your Duster. He starts listening to all these cars he's had. It's the only car that you have ever owned that's faster than it's your GT40, which runs like high 10s. He's there like, so, uh, yeah, he goes, I think I think it'll do. And you get in the car, it's just whisper silent. You get on the yeah, floor, super, two fingers on the wheel. They're, they're super boring, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, kind of, but I mean, that, that torque. Have you guys seen the video where there's an E55 AMG racing a 350Z, but the E55 is tor- uh, towing a lawnmower? Oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it like, destroys him. It's I'm hilarious, sure. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we awesome. have our shop cars in E55. It's like it's a big beast, but I don't know. I think it's a pretty boring car to drive. Oh yeah, it's like, like super it's, sedate. It's just yeah. like really big yeah. boring car. It's a big fast couch. Yeah, it's, it's there's nothing fun about that it. That makes really. amazing noise. I mean, it just has power and it makes a decent. The E55s actually don't sound that good yeah, unless they're uncorked. Yeah. The E63 sounds amazing. E63 so does, uh, sound better. So yeah. does uh, the so the naturally aspirated C63 that uh, our buddy Kevin. Those has. sound great. That sounds amazing. sick. Yeah, Stock exhaust sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. super rad. E55 yeah. just makes a lot of like supercharger noise, kind of, yeah. and nothing else. It just you know 
Has it, a lot of whine, kind of. That's the one probably trick about my SS I'm still loving is it has the dual mode exhaust. If you leave the car in touring mode, it's like dead quiet. You put it over in performance mode and it opens and baffles the exhaust. It just crackles and bangs and backfires and pops everywhere. So on the way driving here, leaving cars and coffee, I'm just kind of kneading the gas pedals like blah, 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 pop, 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 pop. So rad. Yeah, so so all these cars are doing that. They're like this artificial like overrun kind of thing. Yep. Where like I know the new Porsche has it and it's in sport mode but not in race mode because it's basically it robs, not efficient. It, it robs performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it robs performance, <laughs> but it's all for that sound. Like I mean, when sense. we were leaving cars and coffee. Yeah, what was it? A Mercedes AMG oh, yeah. little compact. Yeah, little oh, GLA forty five. GLA forty five. It takes off and when he when it shifts gears, it lets out this Big like backfire basically oh, yeah, yeah. gargle and I thought I like I thought I like hit the car <laughs> I thought I hit this bug in front of me or something like, what the, what is that because it sounded like scratchy almost yeah, yeah it they was, had, like this pop, pop. yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah, it yeah. wasn't as much like your car will do like bah, 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 and this did bah, like yeah. just it's a gnarly scratch noise yeah well it's funny my, I thought when I first got it, it had like, some sort of driveline thunk because I'd lift off on the freeway had boom. Uh, like, what the yeah. hell? Is, oh, it's my exhaust. I'm like, ah, this thing's great. <laughs> cool. That's a lot of car for thirty-four grand. Yeah, yeah. That is like, for fifty grand. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. When I was like, oh, it's twenty percent off. I'm like, forty grand. I'm in. And I talked to the manager down there. I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna net the car out to myself. He's like, uh, yeah, I guess that should be fine. They talked to the owner. He's like, yeah, go do what you want. I'm like, perfect. Thank you. Nice. So they can't sell them. Perks. How many of those do you guys sell you? So. The funny thing I was explaining this in the car lounge, the car had a travel rate of about a year, meaning if we got one in stock, it'd sit for about a year before we'd sell it. Wow. So we had a hard time selling all the automatics. So we ordered a couple of sticks, and the sticks were turning like every six months. So we're like, still a long Even that's still not huge. good. It's yeah. a terrible travel rate. We target a travel rate of 30 days. So we're kind of like, I mean, it's six months, so we'll have yeah. two or three in stock. So the GSM down at the Chevy store kind of starts ordering up a couple because he's turning them, he's turning them, and then all of a sudden the market goes soft. But by the time the market goes soft, he has a 90-day pipeline of them coming at him. Oh, my God. So next thing you know, we have like 15 SSs in stock, and they're all sticks. They're all spec the same way, just different colors. So everybody's like, oh, what the hell are you doing with you know a couple hundred thousand dollars of the inventory? Well, Chevy comes out with 20% off. I think we have like one left. Dude, that's right. <laughs> yeah, now that move so, looks a genius. So yeah. there's not much spec on those, right? There's like one op- two options? Uh, a battery over your head uh-huh. and a spare tire. That's, that's the only option. That's it. <laughs> yeah. in, in automatic or manual. Does yours have a battery over your head? I have a battery over my head. Oh, that's you... sunroof uh, in layman's terms. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a couple batteries. Right? Couple batteries. You got a. It's probably a heavy one. Is it all glass? Crazy. Stuff? Yeah, glass like, moonroof. It's got the little slideable panel on it and stuff. Yeah. Maybe a battery and a half. Battery and a half. I mean, honestly, on a four thousand pound car, though. Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. I mean, and it's your. Yeah, as you said, it's your daily. You want comfort. You're cruising. Yep. That's what percentage cool. would you say manual versus automatic? You sell. Um, right now it's 100%. We stopped ordering the uh, automatics because nobody was buying them, period. Awesome. And first year was automatic only yeah. and no magnetic ride. Exactly. So now, now they fixed that basically and made, but it's still not selling. It sucks. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it's a two part problem. So one, it's a marketing issue. Nobody really knows what the car is that's out there, right? Yep. So they, they bring the car out. They don't do any kind of marketing. They don't support it with a lease. They don't support it with like, you know, 0% or any kind of enticing offers. And then the second problem is they make the car so goddamn boring looking. It's like, <laughs> make the car look good and make it lease correct. And someone will get that instead of leasing like a 340. Yeah. But if it's lease a 340 for $300 a month or go lease an SS for $800 a month, well, no one's going to lease the SS. So you have to make this ridiculous offer before people like me go, I see the value in the car at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is the big, huge Chevy badge. Yeah. The 
the bland styling with your chrome accents. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not a bad-looking design or anything. It's just bland. It's just very bland. And Mm. and let's call a spade a spade. Like, I'm a European car snob. To put me in a Chevy was like, ooh. I mean, I I hate to say it, but it's just weird to see a Chevy in my driveway. I'm used to seeing nice, classy European cars. I thought I was slumming when I had a GTI. I was like, oh, my God, this is like a (laughs) boy racing car. I'm 32. Why do I have this? But it has those Australian roots, right? Exactly. Well, the biggest one is when I drove it in 14, I was like, wow, this car doesn't drive like a big loose shit bag. It, it was great. The 14s are like way oversprung and over dampened, so they ride like complete garbage. So then I drove a 15 stick, and I was like, oh, my God, I love this car to death. I yeah. love the way it drives. The only problem is it's $50,000. fucking thousand dollars. Yeah, and then you get, like you were talking about blacking out some stuff, you get in that weird thing. Are you the guy that's like... Modifying your yeah. Corvette with yeah. shit, kind of like you know, it, there's a there's a weird little. Exactly. I, I don't know. You don't want to be that guy either, but I I would definitely want to do some of that yeah. stuff too. And, 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 yep. and I hear these are hand built in Australia. You don't want to modify. You can't ruin no. any of that original flavor. It's, that's no. the way that they intended mods, it. Yeah. It's very special. <laughs> yeah, I, I was talking to Matt all the, uh, this morning. I mean, like, because obviously he's been sending in those questions, and I know one of the things that you you were talking about is like is really you know forget all the value bullshit and everything, but like part of the ownership experience is personalization right so like if you can't do that to the car you almost don't want to own it right like i mean yeah. that like that's what you were yeah i mean so. I, it's interesting because it's like i was thinking when Warren said that you guys give a good exa- and good answer but it's like stock cars are more desirable and i'm thinking like i agree with that but why well it's because i want to be the one that fucks with them i want to yeah. be the one that does that stuff right but it's like i don't think the mods are inherent it's like this weird paradox right like i want to put the mods on i don't want to yeah. buy one that someone else did the mods right yeah, it's like I found, uh, there was this cherry, I talked about it before, but this cherry, pretty cherry 914 at Canepa. Nose was sitting all high in the front still, which oh, is like yeah, very yeah. rare, like these days, cause you just twist down the, the torsion bars in the front. And I wrote on Instagram, I said, would you mod it or keep it the way, it, would you do light mods or do it, keep it yeah. the way it is? Most people said keep it the way it is. But then you have a car that basically drives like shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I look at it, I go, oh, my God, clean slate. Totally. Like, that is awesome. Yeah. It's, like, original paint, all this stuff. And it's not so valuable. We're, like, RTM5 right. is not so valuable. You can't fuck with it. Totally. And that just looks so fun to me to do little things to make it look the way you want to make it look, yeah, right? I, I agree with Matt, because if you buy someone else's modded car, that's like buying someone else's secondhand tailored suit, right? Mm-hmm. They, they made it for them, not for you. Right. Yeah. And that's the key thing for me is like really talking about tailoring it to yourself, right? It's like, I want a certain driving experience behind the wheel. Like, I mean, I buy a car because I like to drive them and I like the experience of driving them. And if the car doesn't drive the way that I want it or the way, whether it's the steering feel, whether it's the size of the wheel, whether it's the shift knob, the brakes, whatever it may be, like I make those adjustments. That being said though, I always try to find a platform that is already very good, right? Like I'm not going to, like we, I've talked about, or I don't think I mentioned on the podcast, but I've talked to Matt about this and we know this from, you know, being in college and modifying civics, like a civic SI, a little standard civic SI hatchback handles like absolute shit stock. Like they're super understeery, really floaty, but all you do is throw some shocks and springs on it and it handles way better. And it has the right suspension for it. And you, you know, you, you tinker with it, you know, alignment and it's, it's a fucking beast, right? So um, that's all it requires, right? So it's a good platform that requires minimal modifications to get it where you want it to be. Uh, but that being said, of course, yeah, no, uh, of course, a stock car is going to be more valuable. But but, but you aren't yeah. throwing carbon fiber hoods, exactly. And and I'm not doing bunny yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. doing a, you're doing a BMW shift knob. <laughs> yeah. Maybe thinking about doing some like H and R or Eibach springs, like right. reputable brand. 
And what else? Like steering I mean, wheel? And a, a steering, steering wheel? wheel. A small Wait, do you have an airbag in that car? Or no. Yeah, there's an airbag on there. Yeah. Nineteen Well, no, that's the thing too. Like, so single single stage like ancient airbags are shitty anyway. Like modern airbags have variable speeds and different stages of rates of expansion right. and all this stuff. And they have and, and they have shards of stuff that. Yeah. Can oh, that's right. Yeah, too. So to pause those <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they're also like, they, aren't they um, sort of tuned with the with the belts as well to pretension, like with the pretension? Yeah, exactly. And that was a weird thing around that time too, because cars had to work with with and without it was like some like passive safety restraints so mm-hmm. airbags like fire differently because you're supposed to it's like in case you're not wearing your seatbelt right because like it wasn't yeah that wasn't the law right back yeah then, and airbag right. wheels were so ugly back yeah, then. yeah it's yeah. so lame yeah, the airbag wheel in the e34 just absolutely kills me my, my, my mom had the same wheel in her e34 525 and it's just this gigantic huge four spoke it's just oh it's just one big square yeah like we're rectangle yeah no and i've been looking at some rad wheels and like it's i think the stock one's like 390 something millimeters so it's it's like a fucking boat you know but we also I'm looking at 360 to 365 370 normally I put 350s on my cars but I'm I'm being sensible even with that right I want something that matches the character of the car yeah. and I still want to see my fucking gauges you know yeah. so I don't want to go crazy you know put a little 10 inch chain steering wheel on it but <laughs> yeah um, I know Brian would be stoked if I did but, but it um, is all about making the car like what you want and doing those little tiny things like makes it your car like changing the oil in your car makes it kind of yours more than yeah everything you do to the car I mean like literally everything even doing maintenance like changing the oil like just changing the shift knob every single thing that's like more of I don't know more of you in it yeah like uh, friend Ryan just bought a Porsche hobbyist on Instagram. He just bought that 69 911 tangerine orange 911 T yeah Yeah. 911 T and it's built it's uh, the engine's built built up to 2.4 to S specs nice fully restored like Bare metal restoration. Yeah, it was stunning. Like, what a gorgeous beautiful. car. Man. Holy crap. It has these, like, you know, total T vinyl seats. Perfect condition. But they're like little couches. He's going getting seats for it. Nice. You know, like nice buckets. And he already put a Momo uh, steering wheel, like deep dish wheel on yeah. it. And you keep all the stock shit. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, but it's not that You know, he's deal. talking about driving it and he's like, yeah, I had this big old bus wheel and my legs had to be like spread out sideways hitting the shift knob when I shift. Yeah, it's like driving a Miata. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all splayed out. And now his, and it, and he and his wife are like sloshing around in the seats kind of thing. But so. I thought that's why you buy those cars to experience the nostalgia <laughs> in the, in the, you know, the, the period feel. I mean, like a prime example is when I first got my coupe, it was warming up at stoplights. And so I go into the hood. It has this old original five blade uh, cooling fan that's not shrouded, and it's got a friction clutch on it. It's not a viscous clutch; it's actually a bimetallic like cone. And as it warms up, it makes contact on a little bit of friction material. Hmm. So I'm noticing it's not making good contact. I'm like, okay, so the radiator's original. This fan's not cutting it, and at stoplights, I'm going like three quarters scale hot. Which on a big straight six, I'm going. I'm going to pop a head gasket doing this if I keep this up. So I go in the forums and say, what's the recommended thing to do? And the guy's like, oh, we got to be all original, but, you know, recore the radiator. And then it'll only go three-quarter scale hot in, like, dense traffic. I'm like, well, I live on the peninsula. Like, hmm. it, it's always dense traffic. Even on a Saturday, you'll get stuck, you know, on the freeway for a while. So I did an aluminum three-quarter radiator, and I did a nine-blade fan from a later car with a viscous clutch, and it made a shroud off of an E12. And so some of the guys in the forums are like, oh, my God, that's so sacrilegious. I'm like, yeah, but when we drive into Legends, the Autobahn, and all of you guys are freaking out, your cars are overheating, mine's sitting there half a needle under the middle because I drive my car. And it's something that it just makes your experience owning the car better and where you can drive it more than the other guy. It's not it's not like taking away from the, the, the car. You're just 
making it better, which has happened over time, right? Like, yeah. but you're not necess- you're not taking character away from the car or anything like that. Well, I guess if you call over, I mean, if you call breaking down, some people would, I guess. That's right. Like, you know, English car, you know. Oh my god, it's got so much character; it's leaking all over my driveway. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those, if you mod the car and make it better for you, make it better in general. Like, I'm good with it. Like, my 2800, it's lowered. It's sitting on Bilstein HDs. It has the Alpina reps on it. It has a Nardi steering wheel. It's, it's transmission swapped. So you look at all these things that are done to the car that, you know, make it better than the original one. It still looks fantastic. Like, only the purists would stop by and go, oh my god, that's not right. But I don't want my car to have 175 bicycle tires on it. It's like, I want more tire. I want the car to handle. I want it to go through turns quickly. Um, the stock exhaust was terrible, so I put a, a stainless steel exhaust on it. Those just, damn sixteen-inch Alpinas. Yeah. Cars look like shit with them. Alpinas. <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys on the forums like, yeah, yeah, those big, uh, he's like, yeah, those big ghetto bling bling wheels. I'm like, only in like an old classic car with a sixteen inch be a big ghetto bling wow, bling wheel. So ghetto. God. I know. I feel. I feel that with the 944. I have 16s. It's kind of like people Whoa. look at it like, oh, that's good. Holy shit! I got 18s on my Porsche, oh, which is like stupid on the box there with like oh, 200 yeah. horsepower, oh, like 18 inch wheels. Yeah, I have huge the, wheels. Yeah, the turbo, turbo look twists. wheels. Yeah, and wide tire, like a Bradley Brownell from a uh, Camden Tubbed. His Boxster, it's a 25. Oh, that's right. Yeah, seven. He, he has. 305s in yeah, the heard wheels, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah, that's, that's like, insane. That, that is just grip. Like, yeah. that, that car, yeah. you cannot get it to do anything. He has the 2.5, right? Which has even less power. Yeah, he has so the 2.5. <laughs> wow. So it's 201 horsepower. Something like that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, 200, 201 horsepower with 305 and pilot, uh, sport cups. Sport cups. Yeah. Wow. Sport cup twos. Yeah. So you just like, take the road with it when it drives through a turn. Yeah, dude. Jesus. It's like driving a 2CV. You just like never lift anywhere or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like driving a Miata on Hoosiers, really. I mean, oh, there you go. Yeah. That's like a different like, kind of fun, right? Rather yeah. than getting like, rather than getting the tail out and stuff, you're just full grip all the yeah, time. Just yeah, just floored everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be Look, pretty fun. I've heard him, I got really big into tracking his uh, 2006 uh, E9325. And so stock the car two twenty fives in the front and two fifty fives in the back. And the thing is two hundred and fifteen <laughs> horsepower. So out of five forty two fifty fives, and I could spin my back tires easily. This guy could like, you know, dump the clutch at nine grand, it would just chirp. I mean, yeah. way too much rear tire. So he gets bigger into tracking and more into tracking. He's getting bigger and bigger and bigger tires. So his final setup has two seventy fives on all four corners. Whoa. And I'm like, holy crap, dude, like do you can you even get the car loose? He's like, yeah, through it. Was it E forty six or uh, E ninety? Yeah, the first sorry, year of E ninety. Okay. And he's like, Yeah, the, the, the turn one at Laguna it'll get a little loose. I'm like, I'm sorry, it gets loose on turn one at Laguna? He's like, Well I'm going you know, over a hundred, it turns in with authority, and if I'm a little too aggressive it'll get a little loose. I'm like Wait, turn one is just the kink on the That's the kink over. Yeah, it's yeah. the kink before the braking zone yeah. too. Okay. He's, he's like, yeah, he goes, yeah, if I turn in a little aggressively, like, the car will step out a little bit because it's got so much front tire It's just now. light. It's just getting light. Yeah, there is like, a little bit of a crest there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's a crest. crest. Yeah, it's true. It's a left yeah. on a crest. Yeah. yeah, when you play video games, that doesn't look like a turn. You should get on the track and you're like, oh, I'm going 100 and so much. Yeah, I always forget that that's a turn because yeah. you think of the hairpin as like turn one, basically. Right. But he basically had to square up his setup before he get now finally on floor, I can just get the tail to come around because we had two seventy fives on a car with two hundred and fifteen horsepower. It's just like what are you yeah, doing, geez. man? <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Just full rip. rip. So do you guys want to talk about what we're here for? What we're here for so you guys are all dealer Yeah, you nerds, guys are uh, so I worked at a dealer for a year. I barely count. Okay. Uh nine years ago too. Nine years ago. Back in the old days, we were doing stuff in pen and paper. Did you wear a oh. Hawaiian shirt when you? Yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> so did, you work, did you work in sales? Uh, Subaru, internet yeah, we were manager, the, uh, sales, yeah, manager. So and then uh, what? Uh, Hushi Pushi. 
So yeah, what the hell do Take I do? Take pictures so, of cars or yeah, something? Yeah, so I shoot, I, I shoot and park fancy cars, I guess. No, I don't know. It's like, so I work at McLaren San Francisco, which is in uh, Palo Alto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. And um, it's also a Volvo dealership, too. So, I mean, I don't know. It's been there for a couple of years. It's like a high line, a lot of high line used cars. So I drive a lot of Porsches and it stuff. It used to so. be a Fisker dealer. Yeah, it was a Fisker <laughs> and McLaren dealership. I went and looked at one there. Yeah, it's pretty rad. They're still floating around, man. We have like one of the only techs like in California who still works on those. It's insane. <laughs> and um, we actually still have some in stock, unsold, brand new, quote unquote, uh, 2012 Fiskers. We have four of them. So I, I recently wow. drove them. I, we, we had to take them back. We moved them from Sunnyvale. So I drove Fiskers like probably two weeks ago. So, but I mean, yeah, that's cool too. So I'm in, like, I guess the, the inventory manager. So, I mean, which is awesome because I get to drive a lot of different cars. I've like literally driven like hundreds of different cars, you know, from like super basic shitty cars to like, you know, obviously like hypercars, super. And cars. you guys have a used lot too. Yeah, definitely. So you have some good, good stuff coming Yeah, different other like brands. 911s. Yeah, and yeah stuff lots like of different 911s. So many 997s, which is cool. 991s. Yeah. Like we have boxers. We're getting a lot of boxers and Caymans now. Trade ins or are you guys buying them? Um, we have a new used car manager. So he's doing a lot of auction stuff. Okay. And there's so many Porsches at auction, man. Like mm. Especially boxers and Caymans. Yeah, a lot off lease, probably. Definitely. Yes. So, tons of them. Probably good. Go to auctions or? No, it's all online. It's crazy, man. You just like, you know, have your headphones on watching the lanes and just like get him through and it's I mean it's kind of sketchy he bought this 335 it just came in and I'm like wait you're wholesaling this again he's like yeah it has frame damage I'm like uh well at least stuff like that you can arbitrate them and usually if they if they have frame damage they go they go red light at the auction so you know what you're buying yeah um it used to be in the past that you know if you bought online it was like a big roll of the dice now they have you know multiple day buyback guarantees they grade the car so say hey this this car is a 4.8 it's green light and we're gonna buy it back if it's uh you know if you find it it's a piece of shit basically yeah so so wait Brendan so what do you do um, I have multiple hats on. So I started in sales. I run a store as executive manager, and I do uh, marketing and operations for 11 other stores. So basically, I work for the guy that owns it as kind of like his like right-hand man, fix-it kind of guy. What brands? Uh, Chevy, Nissan, Volkswagen, Mazda, Ford, Acura, Honda, Lotus, Chevrolet, and... Uh, Two Chevys. Did you, say you like it that much? Did you mention VW at all? Did I hear Did that? Did I mention Chevy twice? <laughs> Two Chevys and no VW. I don't know. <laughs> VW there we go. VW yeah. is missing. Yeah. So and a lot of stuff. Yep, big big group. Um, it was my directly out of college job. I, was, I went to college to be an airline pilot, and I pop out of school. I'm like, okay, well, all my friends are flight instructing, making like ten dollars an hour, and I want to move back to the peninsula. So ten dollars an hour is just not going to work. I was like, oh, I have a great idea. I'll go sell cars for like six months, save some money, and then I'll go be a flight instructor. That was ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 typical. And then Evan. So I work for the same dealership Lane worked for, uh, Subaru Santa Cruz in Capitola. Just <laughs> yeah, actually Taves. Ten years ago today was my hire day. Oh no way! Right, congratulations! Oh, nice. Congratulations! Yeah. Got it as Clapping a temporary job. You know, I could do for six months, and that was ten years ago. Um, nice. Also, yeah. wear multiple hats. You know, I'm inventory manager for uh, Subaru and Mazda. And oh. Kia too, or what? Kia's gone. Oh, it's oh, gone. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were a priority with Kia. Then they got their their big dealerships, and they kicked us out. Mm. Interesting. It's it's an interesting thing to be a car enthusiast in a in a dealership because nobody there, most techs included, are car enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah. Like, so nobody weird. likes cars, and then when you work around cars for years, you stop caring about new cars. <laughs> it's like part of the reason why I got into classics and older stuff. I was like, who gives a shit about new stuff? It's just for me, I look at it as a, all a bunch of little liabilities until we sell them. Yeah. So that that was a question that came up on the last podcast, and uh, we talked about it a little bit, like the love of cars. Um, 
Which and, is funny because I haven't got there yet. I'm sorry. I'm not at the. You still I don't know. love I still, like, yeah, the new McLarens like, and stuff? Yeah, like I love McLarens. I remember I worked with a guy before. This awesome dude, and he he was just like, I'm so sick of driving these McLarens, dude. Like he would just like take them around. He's like, I just I hate fucking driving. Uh, yeah, I'm so sick of fucking Heidi Klum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, but I'm, you know uh, that's like for for every hot chick, there's a guy that's tired of her. Yeah, totally. Um, but so, even like Volvos and I mean, like all brands, I'm just like so excited about driving. Like I mean, some cars are really really good now, Porsches and stuff. But it's like even like BMWs, Mercedes, Volvos, Hondas. I like but here's the thing: Are you you, you're excited, but you'd aspire to own a McLaren. I mean, you look at it yeah. now and you're like, yeah, I, I like driving it. Like, obviously, you're yeah. not going to tire of that probably. But do you look at it now and you're like, I mean, 200 grand. I would never, I mean, like, it doesn't matter. If I had that much dough, you know, I probably would buy one. It's, they're okay. so fun to drive, you know, but do I aspire? Not really. Maybe a Porsche, honestly. Like, the yeah. new Porsches are still really sick. I would like to have a new 911. I would love to order a new one. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, like, the new BRZ that's coming out with some upgrades. Like, I'm actually, like, eyeballing that thing, but it's like, I don't know. The, the, Five horsepower is doing it for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shorter rear Nine gear horsepower ratio. Yeah, oh, it has a shorter ratio. It's shorter rear gear ratio. It has five more horsepower. Um, I don't know. Better, it's cool. Yeah, it looks. The BRZ, dude, the BRZ they, looks cool, if they but... put like twenty five more, I know. I mean, I, mean, I, I. But that being said, I was never a, a complainer of the horsepower yeah, on the, the original one. So whatever. Is... But I just think over that period of time, you should get a little bit of a power. Yeah, power it's weird bump. because people are doing that in the aftermarket. You just slap an exhaust manifold and like on yeah. that thing in a tune, and you make twenty more horsepower to get more mid range, which is the complaint that a lot of people have. Yeah, it, no it, the tune was the big thing, right? Yeah, because it has some flat spots. Or it something. also has an auto tune, like and not the not a Jay Z over here. I can't do it. I wish I, I wish we had a button. Yeah, there's the auto tune. I lend you a post process auto tune on this section right here. This section right here. It has an auto tune. Oh my god. But apparently, yeah, the FRS, like, you put it, like, in, like, just bolt-ons, and the car will run a little better, dyno better, then people go back and dyno it a couple weeks later, and it's back to a baseline. Like, the car oh, figures it out, and no. it's like, no, no, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So you have to tune it. It's like, w- it wiggles its finger at you? Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah. No. we're going back to stock right now, yeah. so. Oh, but the thing is, I could do that. I don't know. I just like the new features in the BRZ, but I don't know. It's, I mean, to answer your point directly, it's like, yeah, there's not a lot of new cars out that I really want to buy, but, I mean, hmm, there's not a lot of old cars out there I really want to buy either. It's like, everything yeah. is cool, but it's like, I guess, like, how do I say this? There's a lot of cars that I love, but only a, there's actually very few cars that I actually would want to own, trippy enough as that sounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, for instance, I was going to buy an Evora years ago, because I'm actually smitten with the Evora. It's it's just an absolutely fantastic car to drive. The flip side of it, though is I've I've seen behind the curtain of Avoras. Like I know everything that goes wrong with them. I know yeah. all their common problems. I know everything about that car. And as a result, I'm not going to buy one. It's like it, it's nice to know the failure points of the car, but when you know the failure points, what miles they fail at, the how many lemon points, laws have you seen with us? Um, about half. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, Holy when you see shit. that, that's the type of stuff that ruins it. You know, right. it's like. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had to put a number on an Evora recently. Um, the used car manager, when it comes to any kind of enthusiast car, comes and gets me and says, "Hey, what's this thing actually worth?" So, if you go to trade in an E39 M5, I'm the guy that's going to walk out there to appraise the car. So he's like, oh, "What are these Evoras worth?" And so I run the VIN. I'm like, "Okay, well, it's been hit, and it's showing frame damage. Damn. It's 44,000 miles. It's in the third time for a leaking slave cylinder. I'm like." Five grand, <laughs> and this was you know a seventy thousand dollar car when it was new, and then we tell the guy, and of course I'm the asshole yeah, because yeah, 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 I'm well, the bad you're guy. trying to rip him off. Exactly, yeah. like, no, your extruded aluminum frame got damaged. I'm sorry, I'm the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, wow. So, what do you guys think about? Um, let's let's get right into it. What do you think about markups? So there's a reason why I changed my form name on the car lounge to <laughs> sold over sticker. I saw that. So. There's a certain market value for everything, right? Regardless of whatever certain metrics would state. 
So a car like a Hellcat sells for over sticker. That's just the market on the car. Cars like a uh, Altima sell below our actual true cost. So I roll an Altima. I generally speaking lose money. So does a consumer care if I make or lose money? No. They get offended when we make money, but they don't care when we lose money, right? So a car like a, a, a Hellcat, if the market says, hey, some idiot's going to pay $20,000 over MSRP, has nothing to do with what the guy damn dealer is asking for. It's what that idiot is paying the car. Because a guy like me, say, say for instance, dealers could not sell the cars for over sticker, but the market still exists where people would want to see, want to buy them for over sticker. I would buy the car sticker, put it on eBay the next day, and make twenty grand. So the market is the market. And people get all pissed off at dealers for being greedy and asking over asking price. But do you guys get you know mad when we hold the MSRP? Do you get do we get mad at you when you want under MSRP? No, it's just we go to the no. Value. But but my argument for all that is I think there's a flaw in the whole system and how it works because everything else I buy in this whole in this world besides a used thing like a house or a used car has a set price and that's the price I'm going to pay for the car. Yeah. Or uh, for the product. Right? If I go to Safeway, uh, I'm not gonna, they're not gonna be like, oh, you know, Negotiate to, on today, time. this is, you know, it's not market besides fish. Yep. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, and that's supply and demand, which is kind of the same thing. But for the most part, I'm not going and I'm like, oh shit, I want some Mentos. Today they're $5. But it is supply you and know? demand though, because like, let's say, all right. No, like, I'm just saying, I was. Well, example, let's say we want, uh, I want an ultraviolet GT3 RS and I want it now. I want it today. I want a brand yeah. new one. I actually know where there is one for sale. The dealership wants 150000 over sticker for it. Yeah. 150 k But the thing is, I was there last month and they had two GT3 RSs at the same markup. One of them's gone now. Somebody paid that. No, I know. I know. It is mark. I'm saying, but there's a flaw. I think well, they should, I think, de- okay, here's my, my, uh, here's my theory on the whole thing. If the dealers had, if there was basically no negotiating, if it sold like most products, if it was like a store, right? Like Saturn tried to do. But if we're, that, we're, and Scion. And Scion, Scion, right? Right? Where are those two brands right now? Yeah. It, it, it has nothing to do with that, really. It, it, it literally has nothing to do. Yeah. Okay, I, I could look at it. Tell me a Saturn I want to buy, right? Um, hey, the SL1 was pretty fancy. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> Red, Red But yeah. I think you would actually end up making more money, actually. And, and it would, it would, it would also, right now, you're buying from a lot of times the biggest dealership that can afford to give away cars. Yep. Right, so say I'm going to Subaru, I'm not going to buy from Subaru Santa Cruz who can't afford to give away these cars. I'm going to go over the hill where they're pumping so much volume, they're getting kickbacks from the from the manufacturer because they have a deal going that if you sell 15 Imprezas this month, we're going to give you this vacation to the manager yep. and we're giving you this money. So they're selling them all under invoice, you know, half holdback, hold whatever, yep. and they're they're giving the cars away. And then you're buying not from the best dealership or your local economy. You're buying from somewhere else. And I think it's fucking up the whole system because if they just had a set price, they would make a lot of money, a good amount of money on each car they sold. And I think overall you would make more money. It would be less stressful for both sides. Right. If so, if it was just MSRP was MSRP. So it's not I, I manufactured. Would, I would suggested l- price. I would love that. It's manufactured I, I price. Any salesperson would absolutely. Love yeah. It. I mean. Yeah. But you would also the dealership would be be raking in dough compared to what they're doing now. Well, yeah. Because most cars yeah, sell under MSRP. I think exactly. we're not talking about market anymore. We're talking about people just want to deal. Like, I'm you know, I'm yeah. looking at more. I, okay. Dealer market 
a dealer markup is a, it's another thing. Real, real quick, right? Before, before we walk away from the markup conversation, yeah. The, the better example than buying Mentos for magically more expensive yeah, yeah. one day would be when the PS4 launched. I wanted one, yeah. and I did not pre-order one. So yeah. I drove around. I could not find one. So I go store to store to store. They'll be willing to sell me one at, at you know Sony's MSRP of three ninety nine. Yeah, 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 doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah. yeah, you go on Craigslist, you can find them all day long for seven. Of course, bucks. of course, of course. That is the exact same thing that happens. The difference yeah. is Target can't ask for the market adjustment. Yeah, yeah. But somebody else in the secondary market can. So yeah, that, that's the only difference. Is we can we can ask for that market adjustment, whereas you know a big box store can't. You get into crazy is, things though. You get into Ferrari calling their good customers. Hey, buy this car. Yeah, that's we'll buy it back different. from you in six months uh-huh. for over what you paid. And then we'll, we'll, you know, for 10,000 over, you drive it for six months, we'll sell it. You get into shady shit and Porsche's starting to get there as well. They're definitely yep. doing that. And With they're the building yeah. this number of cars where, I mean, now they're doing this thing where it's not even the markup kind of thing. It's like, Hey, you bought a 918, you can buy a 911R instantly worth yeah. who knows how much over what they're paying. Yep. Right. It's like, well, and the one thing that people forget too, like I was helping some of our accurate stores figure out where they're going to price the NSX. So, okay, well, what's your capital investment in getting the NSX here? Most people don't realize, like, to have those two Acura stores sell the NSX, they need different lifts, different alignment racks, different tire balance machines. So each of those stores is shelled out about 150 grand of actual capital costs just to be able to sell the car. Yep. So we go, okay, well, if Honda gives us $15,000 worth of profit in an NSX at sticker, how many NSXs do we have to sell to make that back? Yeah. Are we really going to get allocated 10 in a year while they're high? Yeah, yeah. Probably, Probably not. not. No, so it's not worth it. Exactly. So, so yeah. the worst the worst offense I've heard of this came from Evan. From the K900. Tell, tell the story about the so, K900. We were a very small Kia dealership, and Kia wanted us, I think it was $40,000, a charge just for the right to sell the K900. Not for any equipment, oh, just for the right to sell it. And you're asking, <laughs> okay, so they wanted cash. So if we oh my god, forty thousand dollars. How many are you going to give us? And they said one, maybe one next year too, and, and we might build it up to two or three per year. So wow. we figured, in order to make up this money, it would take I think ten years selling cars over at yeah. a markup just to break even. So what was their <laughs> argument? They're spending all this money on marketing. It's going to elevate the brand and it's going to sell the rest of your product. Is exactly. that what they were trying to... Yeah. yeah. And, and but literally, there's us. no argument. There's no way you can right. make that argument never, work yeah. for a dealer. Exactly. Yeah. But and then we had to buy special equipment and then we had to just to service these cars. And so we said no and Kia got upset with us. Oh, and they bailed. the whole bad blood started. Yeah. But that car oh, was a huge sales success and you know, Wait, now, it's oh, yeah. Yeah. now it's the number one selling. Now it's the number one selling luxury car. Yeah, it's just Tesla, 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 K900, Tesla, Tesla. Well, we, we had the same thing. So I got on board in sales in 2006 and our store was never a Phaeton store. I, I got it, I get in uh, ground level selling Volkswagens. And I was like, oh, why don't we have the Phaeton? And they said a similar thing. They're like, yeah. oh, well, you, you have to have a certain tax and this and that and the other. It's like a $50,000 capital investment to sell the Phaeton, and then you have to have a Phaeton or a Touareg V8 for a loaner car anytime a Phaeton comes in for service. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. And, I mean, how many Phaetons do you see? Yeah. I mean, just the dumbest requirement ever. So we're like, okay, we're, our store is like, we're not going to pick up a Phaeton then. Huh. And so Volkswagen gets super pissed at us. Like, well, it's going to help you sell more Passats. No, it's no, not. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> there's no so, way. There's such faulty logic. Yeah. You know, to get back to the markup thing, I work in mainstream stores, and I can understand marking up, you know, a McLaren or marking up a Ferrari, but we get, like, a Subaru Outback comes in from another store with a $5,000 markup on Yeah, it. that shit's you ridiculous. Know, like, yeah. That's not a rare car. Yeah. Just, but it's honestly, a lot of it is from a dumb consumer standpoint. 
You know, if they sell a car for a thousand below invoice, they go, well, we marked these things up $5,000. We gave you $6,000 off and people have it in their head that they got this. I think that's where I get really frustrated too. I I think it stems back to when I bought my uh, TDI and a lot of dealers had markups of $7,000 on a TDI wagon. But think of the money you'll save in gas. And four, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And four or $5,000 on a sedan. Yet there was other dealerships that were selling them from MSRP, right? Yep. So, and you weren't getting them for much under MSRP ever, or even at all, maybe five hundred over. But really, that was just that was just greedy, yeah, yeah. and it's, greedy looking for stupid people. And it wasn't bearing of the market, correct. like the market was hot and people wanted those cars, but they had ten on the lot. And they're just trying to get that money. And when I went to my local shitty Volkswagen dealership, two thousand over, right? and they won't no, they won three three thousand over or seven for the wagon or whatever. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to pay over sticker for a new car. I just can't can't do that. Like yeah. I, the especially for a, a commuter car that I'm buying to be economical, right? As an ev- economical thing, not as like oh, this is my dream car kind of thing. Yeah. And when they showed me. A car out on the lot, and they said, "Check out this one. We'll sell you this one for SRP." And I'm looking at it, and I like turn on the ignition, and I see it has ten thousand miles on it. And I go, "What the fuck?" And they go, "Yeah, this is our uh, last year's model loaner." Yeah, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so you know, it's like stuff like that. No, I, I agree. Shady dealership yeah, shit, is which is like, there's a lot of the shady. There's a lot of the Hawaiian shirts still, dude, and yeah, all those guys. Yeah, when I went in there, they're all sitting around playing poker wearing Hawaiian shirts. I mean, what the oh, fuck? Nice. That's hella old school. Yeah. The business has changed a lot. And I they're mean, smoking cigarettes out front. Seriously? Well, old school guys. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the people I work with, the older guys are like, well, man, if you think now is, you know, messed up, you should see what it was like in the 90s and the 80s or before oh, yeah. that. You know, it's like... Doing coke. And- uh, yeah, like just like really fucking with people because people didn't have the internet to go look at stuff. So they would yeah. like... You didn't know. You didn't have the information. wasn't out there. So that's when dealerships would really take advantage of but people. But see, I think that's where the dealerships are now being hurt. Small-time dealers Absolutely. like Santa Cruz Subaru yeah. are being... That's my whole thing is that now they're being really hurt because of the internet. Yeah. Because they're yeah. able to check out... They're able to get online quotes from Capital and Stevens Creek and all these places. And they're, they're maybe not the smartest consumer like they think they are, but they're getting a $500 better dealer deal... But they have to have a friend drive them over the hill. Yeah, yeah. They have to do all this stuff, and then they're probably going to get more screwed, and they're going to be sold paint sealant that they don't need for fifteen hundred bucks. I, I think <laughs> the one thing that really cracks me up is our store uses a, a software called Viato to price all our used cars. Uh-huh. So what you do is you say, okay, I'm going to take in a two thousand and nine Jetta on trade. You scan the car, it scans the market. You say, hey, I'm probably going to recon it for this amount of money. I'm probably going to sell it for this amount of money. It tells you basically how to buy cars, what the market day supply is, gives you all the data to make the right decision on the car. So when I price out the inventory for my store, I'll say, you know what, this car needs to go. It has uh, you know, 120 days with the cars in the market. I'm trying to turn my cars every 30 days. I'm going to price this car you know, 8% below market value. That'll make the phones ring. Sure enough, price a car compellingly low, the phones ring. Well, everybody still needs to see that stupid cockamamie dance in the back and forth. Yeah. If you show them, hey, buddy, I'm sure you called me because you looked at all the 09 Jettas on the market. This is a good color. It's low miles. It's a one owner. It's been maintained. I have all the records, and it's priced 8% below market. Yeah, but now now I want a deal. They think you got it, you know, if it's 15 or whatever, they think you got it for seven and you're selling it for this. You're making all this money. They don't, and they don't think that, you know, I know being a dealer, every used car we took in, 
we'd have like dent guys, you know, go through and take out the dents. Yep. We'd have a bumper resprayed. You know, there'd be new tires put on it, say, maybe some brake pads, whatever it kind of needed, stuff like that. You end up spending, and then it's sitting on the lot. You're paying yeah. your your so salesman, flooring. your flooring costs, you know, all that yeah, stuff. And the biggest one is when I go into a new store that, that does use cars incorrectly, I'll sit down with them and I'll talk to them. Okay, if you spend more than $1,500 in recon, you're you're getting raped by your shop. If you spend less than $1,000 in recon, you're probably not cleaning the cars up enough. So I'm expecting to have a thousand bucks in recon. You're going to spend two to fifty, two fifty, three hundred bucks in marketing. Uh, you might have a flooring expense unless you're well cash strapped, like our dealerships where you just buy them outright. You have all these other expenses. And you go, okay, well, I need to make, and then after that, maybe thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks somewhere in there. So, like most of my stores, if you go to the auction, returning those cars for two thousand a copy. So we have to advertise them compellingly low to make the phones ring. But everybody's used to the 90s where things were asked arbitrarily high yeah. and you have to get your 5000 off before it feels yeah. better. So the market's in this weird adjustment phase where the internet's given everyone the information, but it's still everybody needs the back and forth dance. They need the free cup or the hat. They need to see the salesman. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, those places, and those places still do exist, like Santa Cruz Volkswagen. Yep. Those old school places the high that side. are just they're like looking to fuck you over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's their main goal. Yeah. It, it's the, the low-volume, high-gross models. How can we yep. do hard ads in the car? Like, this one's got low jack. I'm sorry. They put it in the factory these days. It's a 1000 yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stupid <laughs> shit. And you have groups like ours that are like, hey, let's price the cars below market value, turn them faster, and live off of a flooring credit. It's, it's a very different life cycle. Yeah. And the, the small stores are at a huge disadvantage against big groups like ours because, you know, like our Nissan store, for instance, my fixed ops absorption sucks. So my shop doesn't pay the bills for my service or for, my, for the sales side, but like our Nissan store runs 120 percent absorption, meaning the store is net profitable just off of service. So sales could decide, hey, you know what? We want to be the biggest Volkswagen dealer in the area. Let's just go pick off everybody for a month, and we have surplus profit to basically subsidize our loss on the cars. Yeah. So our store was run in the ground by a shitty general sales manager, a guy I used to work for. I actually fucking hate this guy. Um, it was like the bottom five percent of the nation for volume. So then we drove it to a 26th in the nation for volume last year. Yeah. And you go, well, how'd you do that? Well, we just bought our fucking way there. Yeah, yeah. And now there's a shitload of cars in, in, in operation that come back for service. We make money on them back there. And the cycle rinse and repeats. That's the other thing, too. You're getting, you're paying for best, you know, people are buying a car based on purely best price. Yep. Where they're not, you know, the salesman's not necessarily like giving them the best treatment or, you know, showing them the car or really like, being the dealerships not being nice to them well, they're being dickheads they can be dickheads because they're giving them the best price well, yep. and i think you know if um i don't know you know it's ideal world kind of thinking stuff but but i think it could happen yeah, and tesla's a, trying to make it happen that's a, a small dealership where we get hurt is we get customers who come in we demo the car we show them the car we're nice to them we we sell them the car they then go they go over the hill meet with the internet guy over in san jose meet him for the first time that's when they buy the car they don't yep. have to demo them they don't have to do anything I even had people tell me that they come to our store because we're nicer they go buy the car over hill then they come back to us because we're nicer and we show them for the service cars. and you're uh, you're their local service we yeah. get people who come in with other dealer plates and go oh the yeah. guy didn't show me anything on my car just to show you yes I've had that that happens with Volvo's too you know and, and it's somebody I worked with 
They want to come back and show me their the nerve, right? The that they bought. And then the worst part of all is interested in it. Their car will break like a thousand miles out of warranty, and they get mad that you won't go up to bat for them. And you're like, yeah, dude, we get so many mulligans with the factory, and we use those on our customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just have to say, guys, I'm I'm so angry about this topic that I have to leave. I can't partake anymore. <laughs> um, I do have to go pick up the little one, so uh, have fun. Um, picking up his wife. Picking up the wife. <laughs> the little one. The little one. Um, so uh, one thing that I wanted to throw in there, just uh, I, I mean, I wish I could listen in on this but there's a lot of terminology being thrown around here like I think it would be cool to kind of like go over some like key clarify it a little bit yeah like just for people who are listening hold hold back yeah like what the hell is hold back what is like yeah but just already I'm I'm piecing out yeah and then I'll listen in later holler peace cool later see that there's a lot of stuff that most sales guys don't even understand uh, most sales yeah. managers kind of understand, but and some, some don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some don't. Um, most general sales managers, the guy that is responsible for sales, they usually get it, and then the general manager, the deal principal, obviously understand it. So, basically, in the good old days, we sold cars at MSRP, and then there's money between invoice and MSRP. Invoice, we can't misrepresent that. That's what we owe the factory for the car. The difference is all the other shit they give us on top of just that spread. So. There's something called holdback, and holdbacks are to help basically control expenses. By giving us more money below the line, we limit the commissions we pay to salespeople, and it's also to help against you know keeping the lights on and, and, and capital costs of the the dealerships, you know, rent factor and stuff like get that. Get the car ready to. to um, buy. It's the yeah, it's the prepping of the car, pre delivery yep. inspection, and it's putting gas in the car. Well, gas exactly. is a, gas, gas is a separate credit. Gas allowance. Oh, okay. Well. The fuel yeah. allowance for the car. Yeah. Because yeah. they advertise um, on the sticker now, full tank of gas. Yep. Uh, money okay. To do that. So but then, did that? That wasn't the case back in the day, was yeah. it? They just don't let. It, it, don't it, let it depends on the brand. Know about it. Eh, I feel like it wasn't because I had all the books and stuff. Yeah, it's a secret huh. little number on our invoices. So then beneath that you have flooring credits. So we don't actually own all the new cars in inventory. We floor them, and so basically the manufacturers we want you to have at least you know sixty to ninety days of supply <laughs> on the ground, and so we'll pay you sixty to ninety days of flooring on those cars. Well, big dealer groups like mine, we turn our inventory every thirty days, and so we basically get to keep that flooring credit as profit. Exactly. Um, also, we we bank with a bank that has like the lowest rate ever, so like one point four percent for our flooring. So it's like your flooring credit's based upon industry standard rate, and so we make money on our flooring credits like crazy. You all, all your dealerships bank with the same yeah same place. And then we switched uh, from Co America to First Hawaiian. They're they're fantastic. Yeah, we're we're with Co America. Yep. Yeah. So then we uh, on, underneath that you have an advertising allowance. Underneath that you have IDM or transaction money. And then on top of that, you have sales growth money on certain manufacturers. So like at Nissan, if I hit 130% of my objective, I'll pick up 80, 90 grand in, in just here's your check. Thank you from Nissan. From there, for CSI is good, there's money. There's all this money everywhere. And this used to be the amount of money that back in the 80s and 90s, they just gave you between invoice yeah. and MSRP. Now you got to be a good boy to go collect all of it. So when I sell a car for $1,000 below invoice, I'm still making money on that car. A lot of cars I'll sell for two grand back in invoice. I'm still making money on that car. But that allows a salesperson to go, but Mr. Customer, look at my invoice. I'm not making, I'm not making a thing. The trick is the sales guys don't make any fucking money, but the store's still making money. Exactly. So the whole thing went, you got all obfuscated years ago. It's, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And for a small dealership like us, you know, we're not doing the big volume. So, you know, we're not getting as much and the tiered, you know, you guys do 100%, you get a certain amount, 120% your objective, you get a certain amount. Subaru took all that away from us. Yep. Where it's just, if you make 100%, you get like an extra 200 bucks per car, you know, times for us, times 35. Yep. 
nothing, you know, whereas a big dealership over the hill times 150 times 200 cars, that, that gets into some big, big cash. Yeah, I mean, like years ago, I was tasked with sales and marketing for the Nissan Leaf. And so I was doing about 100 Leafs a month myself, and I was discounting the cars, the cars like under invoice, selling like a big Groupon style, going to tech companies, like get 10 people to buy at one time, I'll give you guys a you know, thousand below invoice and shit like that. And our store was net profit making $300,000 a month. Not gross profit, net profit. That's just on sales? Yeah. Yeah. Simply because I had a huge flooring credits from these cars that were selling the second they landed. Uh-huh. Uh, we had back-end products sold on them. We were selling prepaid maintenance and yeah, yeah, markup. Yeah. Oh, and that's why you don't, you don't think about that too, right? All the stuff they try and get in the finance room, right? Yep. Yeah, pre-paid so, maintenance, warranty. Yeah. What else is there? Paint sealant. Paint sealant. Paint sealant. Underbody, like in the East Coast shield. and stuff, a lot of underbody. Yeah, like, shield, yep. tire, windshield. Repair. Oh, yeah. There's Now there's the uh, windshield or the protection or whatever. Yep. And it's interesting because, I mean, I run a Nissan store. Most Nissan stores in the Bay Area have about an eight to nine hundred dollar average worth of back end products. Ne- but I, I only eight to nine hundred dollars. That that's the usual high volume Nissan store runs eight to nine hundred bucks. Wow. Um, my store is that high or low? That for our group is low. Uh, most okay. imports usually are about eleven to twelve hundred. Yeah. Um, when I was on the desk in our Nissan store training a new sales manager, I was running thirteen fifty to fourteen hundred mostly off the desk, and then she's gotten her shit together really well. So my finance girl now she's running two thousand a copy. Yeah. So you think about that. If I'm going to quote as an internet manager two thousand dollars below dealer invoice, but I know the second you walk in there she's going to sell you on average two thousand dollars worth of shit. Is I that get, profit or is that is that gross? Yeah, that's gross. Oh, profit, I mean that's profit, gross, yeah. not yeah. net. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're running about fifteen to two thousand on our Subarus per copy. Exactly. Because you guys are the the low volume. You know, kind of, you gotta gross them where you can kind of store. Exactly. Um, with us. You gotta I, gross where you can. I like that. So there's exactly. the front end gross and there's the, <laughs> the back, back end gross, gross, which are, those are like two of my favorite That's phrases. Exactly. So you have front end gross is selling price of the car, back end gross is selling financing, arranging financing. There's also points on financing yep. and markup and yeah. stuff like that, right? That's a big one. And yeah. most people fuck this up. Go to a credit union in advance. Yeah, yeah. Get your, know what you qualify yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> if you just go in blind and they go, okay, you can get 3.9, yeah, you might have applied for 2.9 or 1.9. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah. actually approved at 1.9. I know, that is a big thing. Reaction on 3.9 and see what you say. But this is also why everyone hates dealers, right? Yeah. This is Because you're basically getting kind of... You're getting fooled into a lot of stuff. It's not that you're getting fooled. It's that most consumers can't make decisions, and so you're pushing somebody through a process that that yeah. will stop the process at any given time. Exactly. So a, a primary counterpoint to this is on the Nissan site, you can go on there right now and transact a car. You can click buy online at a discounted price. You can click another button. You can arrange financing, have it shoot out to five different banks, and say, I want the best bank rate. So any car in my inventory, click, 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 and then I will deliver it to your house. I've had that on the site for 90 days, right? In Silicon Valley, the place on planet Earth, I thought this was going to work. Yeah, how many? Guess how many I've sold. Five. Three. Two. Zero. Oh. Guess yeah. how many sales leads I've had through it. Uh, a thousand. Two. Two. Really? Yeah. Wow. No one trusts the process. They, they yeah. want the fucking cock and mamie back and forth. So, I mean, a prime example, when I took the Nissan store over, it had been run into the ground, and I'm kind of the store's fireman. You fuck a store up, I get deployed in there to go fix it. So I'm retraining guys how to desk and negotiate, and I know the market on Leaf, because we're a very huge Leaf dealer. We're the largest Leaf dealer in North America. 
So a gentleman comes in. He's like, hey, so uh, I want to get a leaf. I work at Oracle. Great. I'll give you the Oracle deal. You see, you know, Boardwalk Nissan plates all throughout Oracle. So I know the market. I'll, I'll Here you go. So I give the guy the number immediately out of respect for the guy's time. And the guy's like, I was really hoping for better. He's like, well, what have you shopped around? What have you been able to accomplish? He takes out an Excel spreadsheet he's made of like 10 different dealerships. And I'm cheaper by like $2 a month. I told the guy, well, you know, I know the market. I study the market. This is in the 70s. I'm not trying to ask for a stupid amount of money. I, I'm $2 better than you're able to accomplish. Well, I'm really hoping for this. Well, sir, I don't really care what you're hoping to accomplish. I'm telling you what's attainable. I am the best that you can attain. So out of respect for you, your time, your intelligence, I got right to the point. He's like, ah, it just doesn't feel like a very good deal. I'm like, well, if you'd like, I can say the car costs like $90 a month more. Yeah. We can get mad at one another. I can send like five different sales guys in to try See, to close this is, you. this is like, this is stupid on, I mean, on his part, this is a guy that's like obviously studied it all. He knows what the market is, and he's getting that price, and he's yeah. still not satisfied. So that's just like kind of a dickhead, right? Like, but here's here's the funny thing: enthusiasts hate car dealerships, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, this customer is more indicative of an the average person a salesman interacts with than yeah. anything else. Yeah. They're used to let's like, say probably seventy five, eighty percent of our customers. Yeah, they're coming in with three quotes from and, the internet, but they and, do they do weird shit like that. They'll they'll know the market of the car, but yeah. then they think. Because we're a dealership, we'll take five grand less. And they get yeah. mad at us. Or people just uh, automatically expect unreasonable shit. I mean, one time I remember a deal went all the way to my GM, and they're like, all right, fine, we're going to look at the car in Advent. And he's like showing them, this is how much I paid for the car, this is how much we have in, and we did this. So if I sell it to you at this price, I'm losing $650. And the guy's like, you can't take a little more off? Yeah. And I'm like, well. No, like, and and I, as a consumer, um, I fully understand that, and it sucks for you guys, but that's why – like I think the it's such an old way of doing things, you know. It's interesting. I mean, I, I it's like I don't I don't want to go through. See, the thing is, I don't want to be this person that has to. I, I have a job. I don't yeah. want to go and have to play around with spreadsheets for, for forty hours <laughs> yeah. and figure out what I should pay for the car. Yep. I want to just go in and pair and pay a fair price and not be screwed on my points and just kind of like give you guys some money, not feel like I'm raped. And go out. I'm not. I'm not like trying to barter. Like I'm, you know, in some third world the country minority, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you're in the minority. I, I think I am. But if, but if, if that was the way the system was set up, I think most people, most people find it as a, as I'm the minority that I don't want to do that. I don't think anyone wants to do that. I don't know, man. When you sell cars, because like, oh, my dealership groups, the price sims, it's like they have a whole thing about like no haggle, like the price is up front. There's actually like this big like, you know, like the dealership's 10-point list. Yeah. And it's like no haggle pricing. It's all up front. Nobody likes that shit. Everybody wants to haggle. Like people come in, it's like we see, I don't know. When you see the people that actually come in, it's like feels weird because I don't want to do that. Are either. they from India? Uh, maybe there's a there's a there's, I mean, there's a couple uh, of countries where people don't like jingoists. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to be incredibly racist, and I can because my girlfriend's Indian and I love her family dearly. Indian and Chinese software engineers are yeah. the worst people well, to sell cars to. That's what because they don't negotiate based upon facts; they negotiate based upon negotiating. Negotiating. You can have the car for you can have your your Malibu you just bought. Yep. Listed at thirty four grand, and they're going to they're going to come in and be 20 like twenty five. Yeah. yeah, they want twenty more percent off. So yeah. my, my my stepmom's Thai, and she wanted a PT Cruiser for just I mean fuck knows what reason, right? So in Thailand, everything's marked up by double. Yeah. So if you want to buy a T shirt, they're going to say it's twenty dollars, and so you counter ten dollars. Just use divide by two. That's how you start negotiating That's Thailand. How they, how they buy everything. Exactly. Yeah. So she gets her PT Cruiser. I go with her to help her buy it, and the guy's like, "Oh, this one's like uh, twenty thousand. She's like uh, ten thousand dollars. 
like one pin. We're not we're not buying silk in the road. Like this is all yeah, different. Yeah. And so, but everyone also wants to get a good deal, right? That's everyone's deal. So they they feel like they need to get a good deal. They need to tell their friends what a good deal they got. And the funny part is, and if, they're gonna lie about it no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and a good salesperson says something in such a way to convince the person it's a good deal. Yeah. I mean, for instance, my, my girlfriend's dad wanted to start driving for Uber, so he calls me. What's a good Uber car? I'm like, I have a certified pre-owned 2013 Sentra. It gets 35 miles a gallon. It's dead nuts cheap. It's 11 grand. Get that thing. That'll be fine. So he comes down and drives it, doesn't really like it. He wants a Prius. It turns out this whole driving for Uber thing was his way of justifying a car. Payment. Justifying a car, yeah. So he drives a Prius, likes it, and wants the Prius. And the Prius is like 16 grand. So I'm telling him, like, well, Rich, is the intent of this car to drive for Uber? Yes. Then get the Sentra. Mm, but I really like the Prius. And then his wife comes out, and she's like, Rich, you should get the Sentra. It makes sense. He just keeps eyeballing the, the Prius over and over and over again. It's a beautiful car, yeah. I know, just stunningly <laughs> good looks. So I end up turning to him, like, hey, Rich, do you want me to tell you five reasons why the Prius is the better choice? Yeah. He's like, yeah. So I just rattle off five bullshit things, you know, resale value, reliability, yeah, yeah. blah, blah. It's a hybrid, bigger backseat. So he's like, all right, sounds good. Let's do the, let's do the Prius then. Yeah. And then, well, no, that's the, a lot of people just want you to tell them what they want to hear, right? Exactly. And so, that's the same thing with when friend asks you, what kind of car should I buy? And they go, I'm looking at this, this, and this. You go, which one do you want? Okay, that's the one you should buy. Yeah, exactly. And so he, his talking point at dinner later, and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I, I know it costs more money, but you know, the resale value is yeah. better. I'm just hearing my words echoed back at <laughs> nice. myself. So I'm just funny. Laughing. Yeah, so like on my company, MA Carbon, we do carbon fiber parts, so, and we don't negotiate at all on our mm-hmm. parts. Which a lot of people will call and they, you know, or, or email us or whatever, and they want a deal, right? We do give like a small discount when you spend over forty five hundred dollars. We give like five percent, and it's basically to protect our dealers that sell our parts as well. Yep. Because we only give them so much. Like we, our discount is not very great, and we're protecting them by not giving consumers discounts, and we don't want to negotiate. I mean, the price is what it is, right? But like, so we got an email yesterday from this dude. He's complaining to us that our paddle extensions are $675 for the pair. And his way of complaining is saying, I just spent $210,000 on my new McLaren. I had to spend $10,000 on taxes. I had to spend $5,000 for for insurance. I had to get it clear broad for $3,000, all this stuff. And that's supposed to make me want to give him a discount. Damn, I, feel so, I feel sorry for that guy. I feel so time. bad. I feel yeah, so bad. bad. I just wanted to give him to him for free. I, I should oh, just I give him, yeah. Somewhere there's Sir McLaughlin stroking a puppy. You know, yeah, for $5 yeah. dollars a day, you can stop this. It's yeah. just like, come yeah. the fuck wow. on. But that uh, that's obviously the wrong tack to negotiating. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, let's round him up to a grand then. You know, <laughs> and go fuck yourself. John was talking about that guy. He was, yeah. Made and he sent him an email about you know the, the funny part problems is, and there's problems. Yeah, I mean, yeah, most people are there. They're terrible negotiators too, right? So first time you catch him lying, like no time flat. I'm the worst negotiator ever, and that's part of my like hate for this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I really just want to. Like, I'm not. I. I want to just trust the person. I want to be like, like when I bought, I bought a car, last car I bought new was from Evan because I knew it would be you know. easy yeah, exactly. and it would be easy. And I'm like, Evan, I'll, I'll, I'll pay like, I don't even care. I'll pay, um, I like just it. give it to me for 500 under invoice. Yeah. I don't care. Like that's fine for me. I'm sure there's like what on that cart, 
1200 holdback or something? Uh, I don't Mazda? know. Mazda? Not much. No. Okay, yeah. but Mazda, whatever. Mazda's terrible. Holdback. But I'm like, give me 500 under invoice or something like that. Or I said, give it to me for invoice, I think yeah, I said. Yeah, I think we... I think it was invoice. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just give it to me for invoice, and you know I'm not buying any shit on the back end. Yeah. So fucking give it to me for invoice, and I'm out. And I did it all over the internet. I gave him all my info, and I walked in. And then and I did your paperwork. Evan did my paperwork, and the dude tried to get me to come in. Yeah. He's like, no, get him in. Get him in here. Of course, yeah. And Evan's like, no, you don't want to talk to him. I'm like, I will fucking flip. I will fucking go crazy if, yeah. he, tries, if he tries to sell me anything. <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny because like, when I listen to your podcast, you guys complain about like, selling cars on Craigslist. Like, that's what sales guys deal with. All fucking day. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. People like, you know, you list a car on Craigslist, you take good photos, you give a history of the car, you get a text at 4 a.m. Would you take two grand? And that's the shit that comes through. Like, I sold cars for one year, 11 months. Yeah. That was all I could take. I was like, oh, it yeah. was so, it's so stressful. That's what I'm, that's part of my like thing about wanting the change or whatever. Yeah. Like Tesla model is so good because I think, we would make a lot more money if there was just if the price was the price, right? And they had specials here and there. Well, the, the issue really is is monitoring the supply and demand, right? Because a car manufacturer only makes money when we buy their inventory. Yeah. So when they make cars, they sit in the port. They don't make any money. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So we have to buy them now. They've made money. Of course. So what ends up happening is there's a push style system from the factory. They say, you know what, Boardwalk, we don't want you to have 30 days of cars on the ground. We want you to maintain 90 days of cars on the ground because then the consumer can have a selection of cars. Yeah. Well, we go, well, hold on. We're in like the most expensive part of the country. We don't have a space for 90 days worth of cars on the ground. Yeah. So we're only going to take 30 days of cars. Well, the factory gets mad because they go, well, well, we haven't sold enough cars. So yet. you guys have to push them. And so they, so they push them at us. So then yeah. we have to push them out the door. I know, it's, but it's if it was stupid. more even overall, I, like my, my, my big, it'd be easy for you guys to sell. You wouldn't need maybe as much volume. It would be local. You'd be basing it on whether or not it's a good dealership, whether like, Everything's more straight up, right? Oh, so, so you'd be buying from your home market one rather thing, one than thing going far away. I fully agree with you. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I run and manage dealerships for a living. I fully fucking agree with you. Go out to Europe, it's very different. You have a small selection of cars to demonstrate what the cars are. Yeah, and then you order them, And right? then you order them. Yeah. I would love for inventory to be constrained be so, so there's nice. actual demand on the product. Because when you flood the market with product, I can't be like, well... Uh, I, that I, I is crazy how many people want a specific thing too, and yeah. they're not willing to pay for it too. So that's, nor they willing to wait for it, and they're not yeah. willing to wait. So that's the thing they want. A, we would do so many dealer trades, and yeah. you don't like you know dealer trades a bad thing because you're you're having to pay a driver to get the car. It's all this stuff, right? And you're having to do a trade, and then you're going to have to give them something good later on. Well, and right? you, you run the risk of damaging the cars. Like I did yeah, a dealer exactly. trade where I was I had to drive two Volkswagens I had just sold, and I dealer traded two down to San Jose. Yeah. So I'm taking the two down there to finish my two-car deal, and I drive over like a piece of lead pipe in the road, and I hear the thing just banging up and down under the Passat that I'm driving, and then I see it get flung out, and my buddy is like tailgating me and just right into the bumper, right into the hood, right into the windshield of the rabbit he's driving behind me. Oh, I'm just like, nice. I just caused like $5,000 of damage to two cars. I get down to, to the dealership. I'm like, okay, so I broke both the cars we dealer traded for. And the guy's like, oh, well, uh... Yeah, those are the only two cars in your inventory I wanted, so yeah. I guess we're done here. Yep. And I'm like 22 years old, just yeah, yeah. stunned. Like, um, I was gonna make like uh, some money. And, yeah, yeah. Sir, can yeah. you maybe something? And he's like, nope, get the fuck out of here. It's just uh, do you do still do dealer trades for your your groups or yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, I think I am the I'm the minority in a lot of ways because like when I bought the Jetta, I went to where I bought it and uh, like, what, you know, what color do you want of that? I'm like, I don't know. 
Any color. I'm like, any color but white or something yeah. like that, you know? And they're like, okay. I'm like, they're like, what options? I don't care. I just want the fucking car. Like, I know they're all the same, basically. I don't care if it's a sunroof or not. Like, they're all around a couple grand. I just want to pay. I was basically like, I want to pay invoice. Or, you know, I want to pay, I'll pay 500 over at this point yeah. or something like that. And I just want the car. And I don't really care. And, but I never, as a salesman, I think that happened like twice. Exactly. So it was always like, I want the white one with this and I need this package. You know, everyone's yep. pretty, pretty. Uh, and the funny one too is you go through all that with somebody, you get them down to the store to test drive the car. Like I, I train guys like word tracks to diffuse people. Like it sounds like you're still shopping and you're not ready to buy just yet. So let's not worry about price. Let's pick out the car you want. Mm-hmm. If you come down and decide on something different, then why are we wasting all this time? It's the same thing as taking an offer on a used car on Craigslist before the customer, before the guy sees it. Just come drive my fucking car first before you decide if it's worth five hundred bucks or two. Yeah. So, what kills me is people come down, they'll drive the car, and they'll go, "Well, I mean, another dealer was going to sell it to me for like fifteen grand." You're like, well, no, that's not a reasonable price. Yeah. Then the next answer is always, "Well, how, how close to that can you come?" Dude, that's yeah. like, it's yeah. like the dumbest fucking negotiating <laughs> tactic ever. I just lied to you. Now you caught me. How close to my lie can you get? You're like, dude. Do you think I'm fucking retarded? Like, I get it. I'm in the car business, so I zigged where shit is zagged, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that. It's like, uh, so yeah, I have the same car in our dealership for a uh, thousand bucks less. And we're like, okay, go buy it then. So like, well, why are you here? Yeah. They're like, uh, well, you know, you're, uh. Well, that didn't work. They yeah, expect you to chase them down. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh shit, we better. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like, come on, dude. I don't know. I know with our, with our product, uh, you know, the carbon we sell, I mean, we're the manufacturer, so it's, it's pretty easy, right? But, yeah. um, and we're like the only one for a lot of the products. So, but you know, we'll get the call. So, uh, what kind of deal can you give me on this? Sorry, we don't do any discounts. Okay. No, never hurts to ask, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, it, but that's usually it, right? And the guy yep. is like, well, you know, it's just a lot to pay. I'm like, well, you know, you can try and find some somewhere else. They're not going to be as good. Sure. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and the guy's like, oh, well, oh. Well, see, and see, that, that works because you guys have more demand than supply, right? And we have control of it. Yeah. We have complete control, and, right? And, so. and I think if there's a dealer model that could work like that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. As, a, as a guy that runs a dealership, I would love if it was like that. Like, hey, cool, I have it, you want it, let's just knock the horse shit off, you're that, getting a fair price. It's actually easy to say no, but it's hard to ne- to go, well, we'll do this. And then you do the whole fake run to the manager. Yeah, I mean, and when, when I train my sales guys, they're like, oh my God, you say no to like everything. I'm like, yeah. Because most people ask for the fucking sake of asking. Yeah. And they don't actually need to have it. But the second you start saying yes, they're control. like, oh, I'm in control here. They start just shoving you around just for the fun of it. Yeah. I remember we had the worst, when I was at Subaru, we had the worst, like our manager was the worst used car. He was the used. Car. We're so small. We had you know manager for used cars and used cars yeah. on the lot. And yeah, we had like thirty and a lot of times and stuff. We had a lot across the street and stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, he was the worst, right? We we take in a. Well, I remember one specific one where I had the sale and I basically wasn't allowed to sell it, but it was a used STI. We took it in for eighteen, right? And we maybe put like five hundred into it or something. It was a really nice smog car. Safety. It was an O yeah, smog safety. It was an O five STI. And we're asking twenty nine. Right? Oh, Crazy Christ. money. Yeah. A new one's thirty four or something. Yeah. And this is like a this is a three year old car at the time. And I get I get a solid you know, we're negotiating the guy we the guy says I'll pay twenty six, right? Or twenty five. I'm like, oh, this is sweet. Because yeah. over a certain amount, uh, 
above what we paid for it, you get a bigger percentage, right? You get a yeah. base, a base thirty-five percent. Yeah, you get thirty-five percent over over what, like two thousand dollar profit or something yeah. like that, or fifteen hundred dollar profit. Holy shit, you guys are fucking generous. Yeah, we got huge money on used oh, yeah. cars. So basically, if if we made money and no pack, and I'm like, oh, this is sweet. Are you hiring? <laughs> so I was gonna make like thirty five hundred dollars on this car, yeah. or like four grand. It was like, cr- and our, our our manager stays strong. No, can't sell it for under twenty seven nine. I remember that. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I was just like, you know, I'm trying. I'm like, are you serious? Come on, come on. We need to do th-. like. Yeah. Meanwhile, okay, so the car sits on the lot for five more months, and we ended up selling it for twenty three. Yeah. Black. So it's held there. I think the battery dies during that time. We have yeah, to replace the battery. Uh, it gets like some scratches, maybe. It turns into a shittier car. Yep. <laughs> Dude, and nobody gets at the dealer world. Like it's 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 slowly changing. I'm 32, and I'll go to a store like a 60 year old guy who's like, "Well, here's how this works, kid." I'm like, "Okay, um, no." So you report to me. This is not how this works. I'm going to tell you how it works. So I'll go to a whiteboard. I'll draw a little diagram out. Here are five parking spots. Okay, I'm like based upon your inventory, you turn cars every ninety days. Yeah, I'm like okay, so here's five spots. Every ninety days, you make money off of them. You make four thousand dollars a copy, so you're making twenty thousand dollars every ninety days. You're going, yeah, I'm making four thousand a copy. That's a big number. I was like, I do three thousand a copy in twenty seven days. So let's see, three times nine. I'm making nine thousand dollars per parking spot, and you make five thousand dollars per parking spot. Yeah, the customer gets a better deal. We sell more cars, more come back for service, and the fucking store nets more money. But most people just, they don't understand the first deal. Just fucking take it and move on. If it's yeah. not a rare car, just fucking move on. No, you exactly. Can get another one. Yeah, you, you can turn over five in the time you have that car sitting exactly. there, right? So, yeah, it's like... It's... And then, of course, like any, every, anybody sold a used car, you put it on Craigslist, and maybe you priced it incorrectly or something. And once it's hit Craigslist for like more than like two or three months... It's it, done. It, it's it has, stale. It has, like, it's dead. No one's going to touch oh, it. Oh, I know. Like a curse on it. Brian kind of did that with his car. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like up for like... He put it up a little, you know, too high, higher than we told him to. Yeah. now it's like, it's stale, right? And then he's going to lower the price. I'm like, why is he lowering the price? Like, what's must, wrong with yeah, it? Yeah, what's wrong yeah. with it? Why? Like, Art, when Art didn't sell the M3, when the guy backed out, oh, that was like... tainted after It was that. tainted. Yeah. I'm dude, like, dude, keep that kid's money because... That sucks, dude. Your car is fully tainted. Like it was put up on on a on a bring a trailer. Yep. All this stuff. It was sold. Now it's not sold. What the fuck's wrong with it? Exactly. It went through a PPI. Well, I, I was at Cars and Coffee up in uh, Blackhawk the next day after that happened. I was talking to Art about it, and he thankfully bumped into a guy who still wanted to buy the car. Yeah. And I was even helping them like through that situation. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it, it makes it look so shifty and shady, doesn't it? Like. And he goes like, yeah, it's just a little weird. I'm like, it's just that there's so much psychology behind buying a car that people don't realize. I mean, you it, humans hate spending large amounts of money, so they look for any excuse to not buy the car. When I bought my E9, it was the same thing. I did all the same shit that every buyer does. <laughs> well, I have this list of unrealistic demands. It's got to go to my mechanic, but he only works at cars after 9 p.m. when the shops close. I need it overnight. I got to drive in traffic. I got to have it on the week. I did all this crap. And then when I got done, I still wanted the car. I still fucking lowballed the guy because I was just scared of spending money. Yeah. And the, I mean, yeah, it's human nature. Exactly. So. And so when you put a car out there that, that sits for too long, everybody who's doubting the car is like, oh, man, well, if it's been on, on there for two months and nobody's bought it, it must be terrible. Yeah. 
not not well he's asking more than market or maybe there's something different it's like no it has to be wrong i'll get screwed if i buy that one yep. just yep. humans operate off of fear it, it's the most hysterical yeah. thing and uh the modifying thing i do remember having a couple you like used uh subaru wrx's on the lot that were modified oh yeah not even bad uh. like like good bbs's and like some coilovers or something those cars would get nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, done. They just sit there forever until you like sell them for, like, so the guy trading in the car thinks his car is like the shit. Yep. Because he spent you, all that money. Because he spent all that money, and it's oh, dude, it's so market. sick. Like, and you go and offer him whatever what it's worth, ten thousand yeah. less than he thinks it's worth, and then you're an and asshole. he thinks you're ripping him off, and yep. then you end up making five hundred dollars on it. Lucky. Yeah. yeah. Like, hopefully. Well, it's so funny because, you know, I started off being a car enthusiast who started working in the dealer world, and I had, like, finally understanding why things are done certain ways. So when I was in college, I had a Mark II 16-valve GTI. Loved the car to death, but it was just not up to driving 20,000 miles a year from Arizona back to the Bay Area. So after driving the car for about a year and a half, I'm like, this is just not going to fucking do. So I went to a Volkswagen dealership in Scottsdale. I said, yeah, I want to trade this thing in and just get a new Jetta. I just need something that's reliable. So the used car manager comes out, 1500 bucks. I was like, for a fucking big bumper tornado red Mark II with a clean interior with the fucking working AC, like, no, are you on fucking drugs, yeah. dude? And so the guy's like, super shitty attitude to me. He's like, well, kid, if you can sell us more than $2,000, you'll, you'll smell like roses. So I put it on GTI16valve.org, had like five offers for 6500 bucks. I sold it to a friend of mine for 5500 bucks. And I'm like, fuck that used car manager. Well, now that I work in the business, I'm like, well, I was being a fucking idiot because that car is worthless to a dealer. It was a yeah. 10-year-old GTI yeah, with 105,000 miles. Yep, exactly. He can't get a loan on it. No bank would loan money in a car that old with that kind of miles, so he has to wholesale it. If he's going to wholesale it, a wholesaler doesn't give a fuck what that car is. He goes, oh, it's just a little golf. So when you don't understand, you go, well, that guy's giving me a bad deal. Like, no, that guy's constrained by operating a business. Yeah. So it was interesting then getting to the car dealership world later and people go to trade in cars and then now I'm the guy that puts a number on them. Well, a lot you know, of times those cars, it's it's basically like we'll give you 500 bucks because it's going to be a lot of work for us to just deal just with it. it. And yeah. we don't care. We're not we're not even in it to make a lot of money. Yeah. We'll probably make like 300 bucks, 500 bucks. We just need to get it moving on, right? Exactly. We're not going to put it on our lot. But yeah, when I uh, traded in my Audi A4, like a 2002 you know, it's $42,000 sticker, $46,000 sticker. Yep. Like nice car, but 150,000 miles, uh, sport package, all this stuff. But I was offered 500 when I traded oh, the Jetta. Nice. And I was like, I was like, Oh shit, dude. Well, you know, like think about it. It's like, it's obviously he's, it, but really they should have just said, Oh, you should just sell it on your own. They shouldn't yeah. even offer me anything because, you know, I turned the car around for a uh, seven quick sale the next night. I just yeah. put it up and sold it. Yeah. And it was probably worth like, I probably could have got nine for it basically. But, yep. uh, at, you know, I was like, I wanted a quick sale cause I was buying this. I had already bought this new car. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, so you teach people like you teach your salesmen and stuff like that. You do that, the whole training thing and stuff. So usually it deployed in a store that's been fucked up. And so yeah. what I'll do is I'll hire a general sales manager, hire a management staff, okay. show them structure order. Yeah. Um, in the Nissan store, we didn't have anybody on deck because right now is a really good car economy. So anybody who's really talented, generally speaking, doesn't want to change their job. I mean, if you're making yeah. money and you like your store, why are you going to switch? Yeah. So I went in there, terminated half the staff, then I operated Get new the people. Exactly. Then I got new people, then I operated the day-to-day for about six months. Yeah, you kind of taught them how to run the store. Exactly. Like, make it run. So when when I started, it was so funny. So we had this this kid. He was younger than me at the time. Um, Harmon, and he's like not a car guy at all, 
knows nothing about the product he's selling, right? He's like typical, typical old school car salesman, right? Yeah. Knows nothing. Like he couldn't tell you what a drum brake was, just, right? You're like, oh, does that have drum brakes in the rear? What's that? So here's what he does. The Reginald Nash does. Yeah, know. we yeah exactly. We do these like presentation. He's you know these little like when he was trying to train he's trying to like yeah. train how to like sell the car. He goes, what would you do with this car? It's like some some car in the showroom. And maybe I'm like, oh, you know, this is it's all wheel drive, low polar inertia. It has a you know flat four engine and this and that. It's all you know asymmetrical. All you know, super yeah. shit. He goes. So that's all right, but you know, here's what you gotta do. You go up to this car, you say, look at these grab handles. Look at how nice these are. Look at these grab handles. You can just grab them, open the door. It's real nice. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I remember just being like, what the fuck Does are we that doing? Work? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's all, look how pretty that paint is. I'm like, what? Yeah. And I was always the person, I hate it. The worst question was, I'm on a test drive with someone. I'm sitting in the back seat. Why should I buy this car from you? Why should I buy this yeah, car? always say that. And I'm like, you should buy this car because you've done your research and you, you really like, like it. Yeah. And you've compared it. And, and I'd always, I'd always say, well, you know, it's, it's a really cool car. It's, uh, it's, it's a great price. You know, these are a good value for the money. Say it's a legacy or something. Yeah. 19 grand with a sunroof and all this stuff. Hey, all wheel drive. Handles, look yeah, at the yeah look at these grab handles. <laughs> I'm like, but really, I would encourage you to go check out the Hondas and Toyotas comparable. Go drive those. See if you like them better and, uh, come back and then <laughs> buy this. You yeah. know, like I, you should really drive it because you want it. Like I don't want to sell, sell you a car you don't like. But that was always a weird one to me because yeah. they are being dicks and they're like trying to like. So, so my my way through that when you know, oh, why should I buy this car? And I would just start laughing. Like, well, why are you chuckling? Like, well, you've done statistically twenty hours of research, right? You visit one and a half dealerships per purchase event. Like, guys, people hone in on what they want online. So you already want the car. If you need me to give you the compelling list of bullet points for why it's the right choice, I can do that. But the fact that you're driving the car, you're smiling, you like it. You want the car, so just buy the damn thing if you like it. Oh, okay. The thing about sales, it's about being in control professionally. Shitty salespeople don't know how to assert control, and so they piss customers off. Really good salespeople basically walk somebody through a process, and at the end of the process, they ask for the business and they get it. So a graphic designer stopped by our store to get a car and just like left super pissed because she got two bad salespeople in a row. So I saw her at a barbecue later that day. I'm like, well, if you would have told me you were coming down, I would go down there and help you. You probably would have just accidentally left with a car. So the next day she goes in the store, we drive a couple of cars, and she leaves with a car that day. And she's like, oh, I had no idea I was going to be buying a car today. I'm like, I know, because you had no idea what the fuck you were doing. I took control of the situation. I walked you through it, showed you the best thing. Yeah. I said, I got you a Jetta in the color you wanted under the under the price you had. She said, you wanted a budget of so much per month, and you're under that. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, this is just great. That's a prime example of when car sales is fun. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I was in control. For sure. It was fun. I remember having like fun days. And I remember having the bad days where you're doing the four square. You yeah. You the four square. Uh, uh, and it's just like, I'm like, what? This is for stupid people. It is. Uh-huh. This is the stupid people yeah. thing. And I felt so dumb doing it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what do you want to pay per month? Like, what the fuck, dude? It's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's like simple math. Like, you don't need, like, I can't just go into a McLaren dealer and say, okay, I want to pay $2.99 a month. And what if you ask everybody, what do you want to put down? Thousand dollars? What don't you want the payment to be? Two hundred bucks? Yeah. And they're on a sixty thousand dollar tie. It's always yeah. the dumbest thing. I'm like, okay, okay, let's see what I can do. Yeah. So like, when I first then, and then autograph I autograph the the final line. Yeah. 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 So we were kind of a at the time like we we're 
in a lot of ways, we, we were kind of like changing the way that dealership was. We were more just straight up because we had to compete too. So we fucking X the four square. Yeah. You know, it was more just about like being like a person and making them like you. Yeah. That's what I was all about. I was just all about personality. Like What's trying it? to be like, Oh, you know, you know, here I know these fucking cars. Yeah. I'm a car person. That's exactly what I'm I did. trying to make you like me. It's all about making that person like you in in two minutes, right? So when I'm on the sales desk, I make all the guys practice their elevator pitch. Yeah. Why are they in the car business, right? I have a guy who works. Uh, he wants to work for Lucas Films, doing like you know computer animation. Why the fuck are you in the car business, Joe? Oh, because I popped out of school. I have student loans. I need to make some money. Yeah. Cool. Tell people that. Yeah, yeah. So when they come back from a tester, I'm like, what's two things you learned about your customer? Uh, they live in San Carlos. They love they love watching the Giants. What's two things you told your customer? Oh, I also like the Giants. I went last week. Exactly. I was like, get some common ground. It's all relating. Exactly. Because yeah. when I first went in that store, I asked one of the sales guys, present me numbers on this Altima. He's like, okay, um, so the banks require one-third down on the loan. So in yeah. that case, you need $7,000 down, and your payments are, and you can see you're struggling to do some mental math. He's like, your payments are five fifty a month. Yeah, I was selling, yeah. And I looked at him like, so what's my interest rate? Uh, it's it's based around whatever you qualify for. Okay, yeah. seven eight thirty five. dollars what do I qualify for? Uh, well, I mean, because, so the way the banks are looking at it, it's like, stop it, buddy. Like I'm a hell of a lot smarter than you, and I'm indicative of the average person that lives on the peninsula. Right? If you live on the peninsula, you probably make good money, you probably have a, good, a decent job. That shit doesn't fucking work anymore. So my store, when you leave on a test drive, we know what car you're in. We actually just print out a matrix of here's what the fucking thing costs with different down payments and different terms. So here's a purchase option and a leasing option. Mr. Customer, which one do you want? You're just like, stop the old 70s fucking horse shit. It's like we're not trading horses in a back alley somewhere. It's like yeah, yeah. as you know, I'm in the kind of same situation you are. As a younger guy, how hard do you have dealing with the the old school guys who you are now the boss of and you're twenty years younger than them? It's actually incredibly easy because I tell them if your way worked, I wouldn't be here. So the fact nice. that I'm here means that your way's not working correctly. Because if you're better than me, the guy that gets paid off the store wouldn't deploy me in your store. Exactly. So you either listen to me or I'm going to make sure you don't work here anymore. It's as simple as that. Because, I mean, I'm 32. I deal with a lot of guys who have been in the business for a long time. Been in the business for 32 years. Yeah, exactly. And I get the whole, I've been selling cars long you've been alive. So why do I have a bigger job title than you? Exactly. Why did you tap out at sales manager, buddy? Like, I'm training your general manager. Yeah. And most guys in the car business are, you know, really big egos. You gotta kinda know how to slap them around a little bit. And thankfully, the, I mean, the business is changing. I've been doing it for 10 years. It's a lot different now than when I was first in the business. I mean, when I was first in the business, every single car we had had a $2,000 markup in the window. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? Like, well, if you don't ask for it, you'll never get it. Who the fuck pays $2,000 a sticker on a $19,000 Jetta? Like, guys, I'm not retarded. I wouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to turn people away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a car on the lot right now. It's, it's nothing special. It's a, a special edition Crosstrek. You know, but it's, just, it's it's red, and we have a four thousand dollar markup on it, and people won't even look at it. But yeah. the fact is, no one wants that car. So yeah. I understand yeah. the yeah. going back to the the, the markup yeah. thing. It it is the supply and demand thing. But if you're asking for a markup and there's no supply, there's no demand. Yeah, like, yeah, that's I think like, we all agree that's ridiculous. That's under it's false. Pre- yeah, 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 exactly. But like the GT3 RS. I mean, yeah, it's like it, yeah. that's weird because there just isn't one. If I want a purple one today, I only have one choice. I'm paying 150. Yeah, and a lot of times that. that's that's Porsche's fault, right? They're yeah. not building. Yeah, and the dealerships, it's, I don't know, man. I heard a story on Renly. 
homeless. Some guy was like, yeah, I, I got my dealership offered me. I'm like a longtime customer. My dealership offered me a GT3 RS at sticker. But I have to buy their Panamera Turbo S Hybrid or whatever <laughs> off the off the showroom at 270k. That's Ferrari uh, shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, what <laughs> you know. That's like um one of my good customers. I walk in one day, I remember, and he has a he has all his Ferraris are red. Besides, his, he has a yellow Dino. All his Porsches are silver. All his Mercedes are silver. Oh wow! All his Nissans. Colors. Yeah, he's like I forget what his GTR and his Mitsubishi Evos are, or whatever. Maybe but uh, maybe white, I think. And uh, he has them all the colors, and I, and he has this black Ferrari six twelve. And no one really Your wanted a Ferrari six twelve, anyways, like and it's yet. black. And I'm like, what's up with the black Ferrari six twelve? Oh, Ferrari made me buy that to get the uh, La Ferrari. Yeah. Or no, not to get the Enzo. Nice. And then he also had a weird color, or he had a California. I'm like, why'd you get a California? Oh, I had to get that to get the 430 Scud. Yeah. No, we do the same level on, on Subaru. We get that all the time. Yeah. In order to get the cars that we need, we have to take on. A- oh, yeah, yeah. So it works with you guys buying yeah. cars from, well, and it's like the K900 too. You have to trade cash, but, yeah. or with the, uh, the Phaeton? Phaeton. Phaeton, you had to buy a Phaeton to get a Phaeton, basically. Yeah. And, and the dumb thing too is like, I remember when I was selling Volkswagen years ago, we had a bunch of, uh, V6 Touregs with no options. So $40,000, they're running the 240-horsepower VR6. They're just fucking pigs. I mean, they have no fucking power. They have manual adjustment seats, no options. But we had to take four of those to get one V10 TDI Touareg. Wow. So we're like, okay, well, the V10 TDI, the market of the car was 10000 over sticker. So you have to get over sticker to break, basically exactly. break even. Yeah. So then yeah. We, we, I sell you know, our first V10 TDI, which opens up an allocation to order another one. So, okay, now we start, now we start you know, turning these Yeah, V10 that's TDIs. the whole thing, though. This whole All this crap stems from the manufacturers. It like, does. It does. I don't know. I, it, it's, it's such a flawed and fucked up system. As somebody who lives and breathes and dies it every day, yeah. I wish it was fucking different because it is the dumbest shit ever. Yeah. When you have too much product on the ground and you give, you give consumers 10,001 choices, then you have to over-incentivize cars. Like, hey, the dealer's going to sell it below triple net, and they're going to give you 4,000 rebates, and you're getting 0%, and Ford's giving you $1,000 towards your trade-in allowance. It's like, stop making it so fucking gimmicky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make people want it. <laughs> it's no, yeah. Like, and then I remember selling used cars, too, like uh, off Subarus off good resale value. So you'd be selling like a two-year-old Forester, for nineteen thousand dollars, say, a new one was twenty six. But at that month, right then, there was twenty five hundred uh, cash for the customer. Yep. And you got one point nine percent, or you know, zero point nine percent financing, and you got something else thrown on top. So you were actually, and you had a full, like a, a big warranty and yep. everything, and you and. Uh, our used cars and new cars. We used to give free maintenance for oil changes for used two to. years or something. But um, it ended up where the car was a thousand dollars more than the two or three year old one. Yeah. So you'd feel guilty selling them that used car. But yeah. you know, I mean, it looks attractive when that, you're not calculating and well, all that. Well, that stuff. still happens. We have cars on our lot right now that sticker price on the used car is more. Than what you can buy a new one for, but yeah. people just come into it so blind. They think yeah. it's a used car. I'm getting a good deal. If they did their research, they'd know they could buy a, a brand new one. Yeah, it's those, or maybe just a little bit more. I think it's those average price cars. You know, what's the average price of a car now? Like thirty one thousand dollars or something. Yep. It's those like below that and maybe a little bit above. Those cars are. It's hard to justify buying like a, a just off lease car. 
Yep. Um, cause the money's, you're not really getting then, much for it. I don't know why. Luxury cars, you get a lot. People for, love, oh, it's a one owner lease return. Yeah. Uh, okay. I beat the living fuck out of every single car that I lease. Yeah. Beat it fucking senseless. Um, people beat their fucking cars senseless in, in, in general. But leases, oh my fucking Christ. When we, I train people how to ground leases and identify if that's a car we want to buy or not. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a fucking, this is somebody's rolling toilet for three years. Yeah. And then you go, okay, we're going to go slapdash it through a recon, have some poor fucking person making 10 bucks an hour vacuum the interior and put it on the front line saying, oh, it's only had one owner yeah. who never changed the oil. I mean, it's like, People just fucking destroy cars. So the whole like, oh, it's a one owner lease turn. It was a great deal. No, no it was no. a disposable car for it's them. A they didn't give a shit. Car for somebody. They yeah, beat the fuck. Because it's like under this. warranty the whole time. Yeah. It's like nothing to worry so you about. Buy yeah. new cars. That's how you buy a new car because you know uh, how it's been treated. It's true. Yeah, but a new car is a fucking terrible. I mean, terrible goddamn use of money, right? Oh yeah. For somebody sure. just bought a new car. It's just a fucking just you're pissing money into the wind. But you buy an old enough car, then you've kind of equalized out a lot of stuff, or you can see who's kept the car better than average. Mm-hmm. You get a 10-year-old car, you can say, hey, this is a 10-year-old car that was really taken care of. But a 3-year-old car, for the most part, will shine up pretty well, except like you don't know what's lurking. But so what's the worst car to buy? Like a 5-year-old car with no warranty? Yeah. Because then yes. you have a monthly payment plus bills when everything yes. starts breaking. So you, the worst demographic is the second owner who buys an out of warranty BMW or Mercedes yeah. because yeah. they can't afford to maintain the car. So they go in for okay, service A, eighteen hundred dollars. I don't have yeah. that. Well, what do I need to do? Well, I'm paying four hundred a month. Yeah, it's seven hundred a month or yeah. six hundred because they put nothing down. They're and- fucking leveraged into the car to look hood rich, and then they fucking go change the oil Jiffy Lube. And then all of a sudden, the car has some sort of catastrophic failure, and they'll still owe fucking money on it. And then they'll tow it into a dealership. Can you can you just get me out of it? And that's one of those cases where you could lease a brand new BMW for, for the less. same, mo- yeah, yeah, yeah but, less money probably. But they think you're getting a great deal because I'm buying it. It's mine. You're I like, know. Oh you're like, do you really want to own that thing? Do you really fucking own it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that means you have to pay for that bill. Yeah, but that I tranny a- going out is your your payment. Exactly. Yeah. I had an E39 546 suite for eight years. Right. I got out of college. I got started making money selling cars. Like fuck, I'm gonna go buy an E39. I turned my own wrenches on that car for eight years, so when shit would break, I'm like, oh, fuck, my valley pan's leaking. i got to pull the intake manifold off to get to that. Well, okay, it was a $50 fucking part. I did it myself. Yeah. That's a $4,000 job at a dealer because it's fucking, I don't know, like 15 hours of fucking labor. Yeah. So it's like, if you can work on your own high-end fucking luxury car, cool, get one. But if it's like, yeah, I'm leveraged financially. This is the most payment I can afford. And I didn't realize that like every 10,000 miles my Benz comes in for a $1,500 service. Like, you're fucking hosed. That's why you see like, oh, two body-style back S-classes driving around with bald tires. You're like, who the fuck drives that? Someone who got it to buy here, pay here lot who's just leveraged to look fucking fancy. And that's the guy you're going to get a trade-in and they're $8,000 in the hole. <laughs> you know, driving the- and they accuse you. Well, you're, not, yeah. you're, you're not giving me a good deal. Yeah, my my car's worth what I owe. Yeah, no, it's. No, it's I remember Evan had a guy. He like had lost money on two WRXs or SDIs. Oh my god! And he ended up where yeah. the third one he got, he was paying like it was. How much did he finance? He was coming in to buy an 06 when they just switched over from the two liter to the two point five. He had had his 05 two liter for almost a year, and he owed more on that car. Then the 06 was its sticker price. Oh, Jesus. And then uh, I flat out told the guy, like, I'm not going to sell you this car. It's a terrible deal. And then the next day, the dealership in Monterey called me and wanted yeah, the, white car, S- the, the white SDI. The white SDI, I remember. The white one. Yep. And I figured out, based on his payments, he was paying $40,000 for a 2006 
WRX with a sticker price of $26,000. Because he rolled so much negative equity. Jesus Christ. Car. He had, so he had like a seven-year payment of like, I forget, it was 600 dollars a month. Wow. And I think the worst part, too, is you went into it with good intentions, right? Yeah. And he fucked himself anyway. Yeah. I, 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 had, I gave him the advice. I, I flat out told him, I, I, I can't yeah, cause, uh, sell you Monterey yeah. sold it to him. And, and, and you you did the deal trade. You're like, yeah, that's fine because I don't want to do it. I don't, yeah. want it on my, I don't want that money. Like, I sold it. I wasn't making money. I was making a, a mini you know, yep. on, the, on the deal. But <laughs> he still comes into the dealership every once in a while in his 07 that he's still paying on probably. Oh, my oh God. for fuck's sake. And you know, the worst part is I had to learn that early on in sales. Like, I can't be a customer advocate because there's certain things that customers want to do that makes yeah. no fucking sense whatsoever. You can't make their life decisions for them. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're going to go down to Monterey and they're going to fucking do it anyway. Once yeah. somebody falls in love with a car and they're licking the paint off of it, like all ration goes out the fucking window. They just do the dumbest fucking shit. It's true. I mean, how many people do you know like like Brian did it with his Jeep? He oh, he didn't he didn't email anyone before. They just go to look at uh diesel Jeep Grand Cherokees. Yep. And he ends up driving home in a V6 diesel uh V6 Jeep Grand Cherokee, non-diesel. You know, uh, like night of and he didn't he that, didn't that, like he didn't email dealers for pricing beforehand. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just, you know. That that, that, that happens a bit more than you'd imagine. Like most people start off No, I'm saying that I think it happens a lot. Yeah. Happens yeah. Often. I mean, a lot of people will call the dealership first like, "Well, what's your best deal on this car?" And then I have word tracks that disarm the best deal comment. Like, hey, we've been in business for 63 years. We're looking to start a relationship with you. we got to show you a good deal in the car. We want to see you back in service. And we want to see you back in your next car. So where in that life cycle in our relationship can I fuck you? Because you'll never come back again, right? I, I can't fool you twice. I'm not going to try to fool you once. I'm going to show you a good value in the car. But I'm not convinced we're ready to pick out a car just yet. Let's go drive it. And you work the angle to get them down into the store. So that way they don't have a number in their head. So that way when you negotiate, you can negotiate off of emotion. When you negotiate off emotion when somebody loves the car, the, the dealer makes more money. It's as simple as that. Of course. When a guy like me goes into a store, you know, I go in there. It's very cold and clinical. Okay, I want that SS right there. That, 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 that. Here's my criteria or I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. And so if I decided I wanted to buy a car that was not you know, in our dealer group, I would go into a store and do the same thing. Yeah, the yeah. difference is I know how to negotiate where if you want what you want, be pleasant. A lot of people who don't know how to negotiate, they think if you be a dick that you'll get more. It's like, no douchebag. If I fucking like you, I will go above and beyond. Oh, I have asked so much. But there's dickhead customers. There's dickhead salesmen. It's the same thing. I mean, it's the same with life, right? There's yeah, exactly. Dickhead people everywhere. But uh, I remember having customers. I'm like, dude, I'm being so nice to you. Why are you being an asshole? Yeah, why are you being <laughs> like, I, like, what the fuck, dude? I just, like, I'm not, I don't want to do anything for you. Ooh, we have this old guy coming to the Nissan store you know, back in November, October time frame, and I'm helping this new sales guy negotiate. And so the first pencil goes out with the sales guy, so he presents the first numbers. Based upon how he walks back to me determines what I'm going to do next. When he comes back with pee running down his leg, I'm not going to send him back in there with the next set of numbers. I'm just going to go walk in there and help him. So I walk into this old guy who's just a fucking douchebag. I've been hearing him on the show and pushing my sales guy around. And I'm like, hi, I'm Brendan. I'm one of the managers. I just, you know, basically try to keep my job title just kind of vague. And he's like, he goes, oh, you're the asshole that comes in after the salesperson, huh? Whoa. And so I just looked. I just smiled at him. I was like, wow, this escalated pretty quickly. I was like, I was just here to explain the car to you and figure out what you're looking to accomplish to see if we can make a deal so you can leave with a new car you want. And that made him more upset, probably. Oh, yeah. The guy was the just nicer like, you are, the more upset he's Yeah, and so he ends up being, he goes, you know what? I'm tired of this back and forth bullshit. I want to talk to the final boss in the building. Fantastic. Here I am. 
it like, was literally what? that awkward. Yeah, yeah, I did that on purpose. It just, we're just eyeball to eyeball, just staring at each other. Because there's that fine line, too. Like, you feel like you're kind of being, like, slimy sometimes, just trying to be nice, because you are trying to make them like you. Yeah. So you're like, oh, God, I could t-. Like, they think I'm a fucking slime ball. Yeah. Like, the, you know, it's it's just this. Well, this guy finally, he's like, oh, I don't believe you're the final decision maker. What? And so I looked at him and was like, hey, how could you judge that? He goes, he goes well, I mean, what, what is your job? So I'm like, I am the executive manager of the store. He's like, was well, that better than a general manager? Like, well, actually, it is. I get to sign documents on behalf of the dealer principal. So as far as the factory is concerned, I am the dealer principal. Yeah. He's like, how old are you, 25? Yeah. And I was like, I'm 32, but I bet you got to where you got in life by working hard a lot of 80, 90-hour work weeks, right? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, then shut the fuck up. You're looking at you about 40 years ago. Yeah. And he goes like, well, okay then. And then the guy was super nice, but I didn't need the two by four. So bam. Yeah, yeah. That's like dealing with New Yorkers. Yeah. Um, you just you have to like talk shit Sorry, and call him an asshole a couple times, and they're your best friend. Yeah, exactly. You have to be like a dick back, basically. It's exactly it. Indian customers the same way. If you're nice to an Indian person, they yeah. just just fucking bulldoze you. Yeah. They meet me, and I'm pretty gruff and rude immediately. I'll tell them you are here to get a car and not waste my time. I'm a very busy person. If you fuck with my time, get the fuck out of my store. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. But the second you're nice, it just like opens the road just to get them bulldozed. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You have to have a very high social intelligence to deal with all the different scenarios that come out of selling cars. It's, it's not as clinical as here is price, click this button, buy this car. Oh, no. It turns you into a total people person, right? Or, or it makes you, you hate people it like makes more. You hate people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More, yeah. Yeah. exactly. I have about six months. I, I can go into a store, turn a store around and work the day to day for about six months. There you're before, done. Before I start drinking like extra scotch every night because yeah, yeah. I fucking hate my life. All right, so I think that wraps up our dealership talk. <laughs> sure. So right. how do we how do we sum this up? Dealerships are assholes. Customers, Customers are, are assholes. assholes. Um, Anytime you deal with the general public, everyone's an asshole. Oh yeah, buyers, yeah. Craigslist buyers are, buyers are assholes. Are liars. Salesman um, lie. You can the, tell a salesman's lying when his mouth's moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, the system is flawed. The system is flawed. Absolutely. And Things sell forever sticker. You got to deal with it. Everything's yeah. overpriced. New cars suck. Old cars suck. Um, but actually, yeah. the, the, the key Don't take... Don't buy anything ever. The key takeaway, if you want to actually buy a car, get your financing done in advance before you go yeah, yeah, this See is if a good the dealer stuff. can beat it. Um, email four or five dealers. Get an idea what the pricing is. Go on edmunds.com. You don't know how many times I've told people. I I tell them email, you know, three to five dealers, you know, say, I'm looking at this, this, and this. Be pretty specific what, what car you want. Like find a car on their lot. Say, I'm looking at this car. What, what, what's the price basically? Yep. No one ever does it. I know. I I bet you guys deal with it too. Uh, Your friends know you work in the car industry. They ask for your advice. You give them, the advice, and then they do what Brian did. Yeah, don't take your advice. Yeah, and just automate. Go buy. They go buy a, a Kia six Jeep. Chair. I mean, it's what he wanted. Right. He right. he bought with the car he wanted or whatever, yeah. and he's happy with it and everything. But you know, I think he could have. He, he done his homework. He probably could have done a little better. Yeah, just, and yeah. stuff. All, all you need to do is a newer used car. Arrange your own financing so you know what you're buying power and what you can afford. Yeah. Research the car. Figure out the market value of the car. If you buy the car at or below market value, and get a great greater or better than what you could qualify for through a credit union, then buy the fucking car. Yeah. You, you don't need extra shit and floor mats and keys and cups and free maintenance. And just knock all that that shit off. That fucking pisses off salespeople. Yeah, at market value. I said at or below. I mean, that's a thing, too. Some people are like, it must be below. Like, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of people... I mean, like my Scion. I bought that. I didn't haggle at all. Like, the price was the price on my FRS. I just bought it. So it's- Oh, how about this one? I'm paying all cash. No. 
I don't no, like that. Oh, yeah. People, people think you that hate that's, it, right? I hate it. Why that's, would you want all cash? I don't want cash. Yeah, you don't get any money. You don't that. get finance money. Like Exactly. Yeah, if you pay cash, I cash your check tomorrow. It's, see, that's the thing. That's such a like, a days. that's such like a yeah, 60s, 70s. It's like you have to wait for the check to clear kind of thing. Yeah. It's like you got any herbs. We don't, we don't have that anymore. I don't. It's like, I don't fucking care if you have cash. I prefer you to finance. That's what Because then I get money from the But I don't understand why people don't understand that in the year 2000. 16 or whatever it is. Still, people have that old mindset in they want to negotiate all cash. Know, how about all cash? Like, well, like, we don't write that on the books or something. Like, we only write down that we sold yeah, the car exactly. for less. Like, exactly. Are we that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. I'm like, no, Amex will do, you know, I'll take, I'll take your financing, you know, whatever. Yeah, for, and give us some money back. So yeah. the, the, the key takeaway for me is as somebody who runs and turns around dealerships, I actually support Tesla. I hope Tesla succeeds. Yes. And I spoke at a big EV summit years ago up in Sacramento. I explained this to everybody in the room. I said, guys, I'm the most successful electric car dealer group in North America, and I'm rooting for fucking Tesla because I'm so fucking sick of the general public doing the shit they do that if the Tesla model works, successful stores like ours will pattern ourselves after them and market we have the Tesla-like experience. We don't want to fucking do the back and forth and the bullshit. It's a fucking grind on both sides of the table. So it's interesting because most people think that, you know, we as salespeople love the thrill, the chase, and love the going back. We fucking hate it as much as the customers Exactly. Do. But customers don't buy off logic. They buy off fucking emotion. So. Yep. Yeah. Right. I think that's a good point as a small dealer. Like, we, our business would grow. Yeah. Under the Tesla model. Absolutely. Because people who live here would buy here, service with us, do everything. And more important, they and feel good about waste, it. And they feel good. Yeah. And, and the only reason they wouldn't shop for you from you is if you were a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. absolutely. So you, they'd get great service. So you being nice would actually be beneficial. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You know, most of our sales come from the dealership over the hill being a dickhead, and people spend more money to have a better experience. Yep. Exactly. Fuck them all. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck them. Like I say, the customers when they leave and I hate them. I hope you fucking crash on the way home. <laughs> 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 all right. On that note, I guess we'll peace out. Um. Yeah, Hushi Pushi. Any last words? It's Hushi Pushi. It's it's Hushi Pushi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I mean, whatever. I think it's cute. You guys like me, so I mean, I feel yeah. love every time. <laughs> so, yeah. Find me on Instagram. I'm Hushi Pushi. Oh yeah. yeah and me. don't you have a website? I do. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So my website is called Star Road. So it's Star Dash Road dot co. I'm sorry, Star Road was taken. So Star just. I don't even know if you type it in Google. I got to work on my SEO. So, but um, I know a guy. Yeah. Star Dash Road. Dot co. Dot co. It's like my photography and writing and stuff. So yeah, so check it out. He takes okay. neat pictures and stuff. Evan, anything to plug? No Instagram, no Facebook. Uh, He's... Well, no. But... Go to Subaru. Go buy a Subaru. Evan's a really nice guy. Uh, even though I don't, I don't sell. Cars. Oh, he doesn't sell cars. Never mind. Anymore, uh, but, but I need money for my '83 Brat to fix up. Yeah. Brandon, anything to plug? Uh, follow me on Instagram and actually like a picture of my SS. It's like everybody follows me, follows me for my coupe. So it's like I post a picture of like a, a Hot Wheels coupe, right? 100 likes, no problem. Here's my SS, 15 likes. I'm like, come on, guys. That's my photo, too, man. It hurts my feelings. It's a, <laughs> it's a new car, too. So exactly. it's one of those things. It's like every other one on the planet, right? So your exactly. your SS has a personality because it's, yeah, it's lived there, a little. Go to at my femur hurts, like my SS, make me feel good there about go. wasting money on a new car. Yep. yep. And then uh, follow us on Instagram, Driving Well Awesome. And what else? Uh, rate and review. Rate and review on iTunes it helps a lot. I think I don't even know. I think it really. Does, I don't yeah. actually know if it does help, but probably we have. Uh, yeah, we need some more. And then uh, check out AutoWorksDetailing.com. Um, our local detailer, 
And anything else? No. I think that's it. Buy some cars or something. <laughs> Later. Later. Peace. Oh, you did the piece. Hopefully that fucking recording. That was fuck. Yeah, it, it, the tune was the big thing, right? Yeah, because it has some flat spots. Or it something. also has an auto tune, like and not the not a Jay Z over here. I can't do it. I wish I, I wish we had a button. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, let me do a post-process auto tune <laughs> yeah. on this section right here. This section right it here. It has an auto tune. <laughs>